What's happening, guys? Uh, this is Logan from Here the Spear presented to you by Noel Game Day. I'm very sad to say we lost our complete FSU versus Georgia Tech podcast from last night when we recorded. We had a full preview along with other things that we were hitting on, including the depth chart, a little bit of basketball stuff, and loads more. But sadly, it was lost in a recording. So what we're going to do now is throw you into the Renegade Roundup, which we held on Tuesday night uh, with loads and loads of Knowles from the beat. Writers, podcasters, former Knowles like Charlie Ward, uh, Brendan Sinone from 247 Sports, Travis Johnson, Freddie Stevenson, and the guys from the Double Fries No Slaw podcast. Um, loads and loads of guys on there. Eric, Aria Masudi, uh, tons of guests, 20 plus guests previewing the Florida State uh, 2020 season. So we're going to throw you into that here in a minute. Before I do that, I want to shout out our 10 patreon members uh, salty c fowler brian richards larry woods tyler holder jeremy fertig david pierce brian graham jt appleton kyle l and john morris really appreciate everybody joining our patreon and supporting us and also getting fabulous and great benefits over on our discord along with a dad hat an old game day dad hat and some stickers too so if you want to go over to our patreon it is patreon.com slash game day Football season is finally here. I hope you guys enjoyed it. It's a two, about two and a half hours of FSU 2020 preview with tons of guests coming in and out of the whole entire episode. We hope you guys enjoy. We will talk to you guys next week on Hear the Spear. Once again, we apologize for this episode that we lost, but I think you guys will enjoy the Renegade Roundup. See you guys and enjoy the game on Saturday. Hey guys, it's Terrence Nan. You're listening to Hear the Spear presented by No Game Day. Go Dolls. Hey, what's up? This is Peter Ward, aka E Dub, in the house. So we're listening to Hear the Spear presented by No Game Day. Go live, go Nose. Hi, this is Charlie Ward, and you're listening to Hear the Spear, Go Nose. This is Terrell Fuckley. You're listening to Hear the Spear presented by No Game Day. No Bloody. But perhaps better known as the greatest corner to ever step on a football field, Deion Primetime Sanders. Great Deion Sanders, my brother. What's going on, man? I, I could wake up to that greeting every day, man. That was awesome. Hello, those fans. This is former Seminole Derek Brooks, and you're listening to Here's the Spear, presented to you by No Game Day. James Wilder Jr. What's going on, James? Thanks for having me on. SSOD, Florida State or Die, and go no. William Barnon Floyd. Gentlemen, what's up? Welcome to the 2020 uh, Renegade uh, Roundtable. We have a pretty stacked show the next two hours. We partnered with Double Fries, No Slaw. We got TJ Pettinger. We got Freddie Stevenson. Richie Barnes, also in the house. Nate Greer with us for the time. 
He's actually going to stay here for the full two hours. Um, really excited about this whole show. What's going on, gentlemen? Man, thanks for including us, Logan. I, I appreciate you. Uh, we, you reached out, what, about a week and a half ago, and we put this whole thing together. Like I said last night, I think it's bigger than I thought it would be. And so I'm excited to chop it up, man. No pun intended. Glad the season's <laughs> just four days away, and let's go. Hey, man, TJ, you said it. We are four days away. I think there were times during this offseason a lot of us thought we might not have a season. Here we are. I think we're definitely kicking off against Georgia Tech. Twelve and a half points is the spread. I like it. I'm just pumped. We got a game, fellas. Football season's finally here. Everybody's been waiting for it. Like you said, we didn't know if it was going to come, but it's here. It's time. Let's get it. I'm ready to see Norvell and, and <laughs> yes. what, he, what, what he can do with uh, – you know, probably the best skill he's he's ever had. So I'm very excited for this game. Yep, I am too. Like you said, TJ, we talked about this for about a week and a half and kind of put this together as quick as we could. And um, I, I we've had a good amount of guests. I'll probably start naming some off uh, to start off. The show, which is stacked right now from 8.10 to 8.30. And guys, also, guests will be able to stay on as long as they want. If you guys watch the NFL Network's coverage of the NFL Draft, this last one, uh, you saw them do a full-on show through Zoom like this and kind of started good conversations between uh, former players, current players, also analysts. So this is kind of what we're going off of with that kind of concept. So to start off the show, we're actually going to have Ari Masudi come on here from the ACC Network at 810 along with James Coleman from Fifth Quarter Chat. Also going to have Bryant McFadden, former Knoll Super Bowl champion, also my Steeler, uh, and also he's with CBS Sports. Brian McFadden's going to be on this 8 to 8, 10 to 8.30 part of the show. And then Tarif Knockout, he's already in the Zoom call waiting for us. Uh, but obviously a big fan favorite there from Twitter. Been, I think he, I think he's been tailgating in the uh, waiting room since about six thirty tonight. He's <laughs> count down on his Twitter page and everything. I think he's wearing white, white numbers and all. White numbers on the yeah, jersey. There you go. If he doesn't show up, if he doesn't show up with white numbers, he's got to find some kind of way by now. But if he doesn't show up with the uniform with white numbers, I'm gonna be really disappointed. If he's watching this right now, he's got about a few more minutes before we bring him in here. Uh, but this is going to run from 8 to 10, TJ. Uh, it's on Facebook, Twitch, YouTube. Um, which other, what, what else am I missing? Twitter? You're, you're best at being able to tell everybody where it's at. Yeah, Periscope, Facebook, YouTube. We've shared it just about everywhere. Um, you know, So if you're watching this, do us a favor. Hit the, hit the like button, hit the share button, tag a couple friends in it. Uh, we talked about this last night just briefly, but this doing well kind of determined if we keep doing it or not, right? Like if six or seven people watch it, then we're probably not going to do it again. If, if we can kind of blow it up and make it big, we'll, we'll keep doing it more and more for you guys. So uh, like it, retweet it, share it. It's on it's on our page. It's on the Double Fries page. It's on Noel Game Day's page. It's on our personal pages. So share it everywhere you see it. Tag some friends and, and grab some popcorn and let's hang out. Yeah, we've seen already about 50 shares on Facebook, so that's freaking awesome. We don't even have any guests on. You're just looking at us guys. Uh, and like I said, this is going to run from 8 to 10. might go over just a little bit. Guests are going to be able to stay on as long as they want and to discuss. It's kind of just going to be open. And we have topics here uh, that all of us have put together on a document that we'll kind of bring up and maybe ask a few of the guests. At 8.30, though, I will go and tell you, at 8.30, uh, we're going to have former Nolan Heisman winner Charlie uh, Ward 
uh, coming on, which should create a pretty good conversation. I know the Double Fries No Slaw just recently had them on as a guest. We also had him inside of our Discord talking to some of our Patreon members. Uh, but he's going to be joining us to talk anything Florida State football. He's always a great listen. Let's see. So what we can probably do is start bringing in some of these people. We'll go and get started early since I think Tarif has been excited this whole time. He's been the most hype about all this. But let me go ahead and get a few of these guys in here. Let's see. Booyah. Oh, Okay. <laughs> All right, Tarif. We we got once he's connected. Yo, yo. Hold on now, Tarif. You got gold number. You got gold letters on there. Come on now. Hold up. <laughs> Representing the brand, you know, it's good. <laughs> What's happening, yo. man? Good man. I, I heard TJ talking about I've been tailgating since six thirty. <laughs> yeah, Am man. I wrong though? I mean, haven't you? I've been seeing you count it down. Nah. And... Hey, man. It's all good, man. I'm just you know excited. Excited for the season, bro. I can't believe we having one, man. So, you know, just, uh, you know, spreading the word. Man, I appreciate y'all. Y'all having me on here, for real. Yeah, this is uh, looking pretty sad. This first start to the show has a ton of people. I got I got my man Arya in here, too. I haven't spoke with him in so long. Also, I got my man Big Game James. I was just on the Mark Rogers show with him earlier. Woo, holy smokes. Man, so, man, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> Trap, what up, bro? Yeah. Man, what, hey, yo, yo. What, what, hey, what time? What time? The motherfucker seven o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think Trap I think Trap is in here a little bit earlier than usual. I think I got him set up to come in with Charlie Ward. But if you're gonna stay on with Charlie at around what's, it's, what's Charlie eight thirty? It's an all adult. It's an all adult thing, right? It's a yeah. little, it's like a little PG thirteen. If, if you're around your, making sure it wasn't no none of these players in here. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You know, Arya, you want to get us started? How you feeling about the game coming up, man? I know I haven't been able to talk with you as much. It's busy around this time of year, but you getting kind of excited about uh, being around Doke on Saturday? Carmen, what's yeah. up, dog? Can you hear me at least? Yep, I hear you, Arya. Let me know if you can hear me. Yep, okay. I got you. Cool. Yeah. No, man. I'm I'm excited for sure. This should be fun. Yeah, I think it'll be. I think it's gonna be a good start. Travis has got to talk to Big Game James real quick. Hey, man. Hey, I'm just one of them happy to be here, guys. Man, I'm trying to do this um this fantasy draft, and I'm trying to I'm trying to figure out why I was included with all these superstars. I don't know how to do both. I ain't watched a single lick of football. I don't know if I don't know who to draft. I know I'm I'm out here drafting like a I drafted I, I saw I just saw Patrick Mahomes and I know he good so I picked him I don't know if you're supposed to pick a quarterback first round <laughs> oh, but don't follow my I just, advice uh, James I just finished my draft like five minutes ago too <laughs> who'd you go first oh I had the second pick so uh, oh. they took McCaffrey and I went Saquon mm. um, yeah, yeah then I got I Mahomes did. round two yeah I like it out of two. I'll take my homie. I'll forget. Hey, the running back, you can find the points. You ever been in a 14? Y'all ever been in a 14-team league? Because that uh, that challenges you in the draft. That really challenges you. I'm in a 12-team right now. So, like, I'm over here, like, I don't even know some of these names. And I cover the NFL. So, I'm like, all right. I I, I hope he good. (laughs) I was uh, skimming the fantasy league. ESPN cheat sheet. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. I know what I'm not drafting, no Jaguar. 
I know we trash. So <laughs> I know that for <laughs> So wait, when you have a 14-team league and Mahomes is there in the second round? Yeah, how does that work? From, no, that was one of my leagues. This one was uh, oh, this one was a ten team league. Yeah, yeah I had, okay, well, okay. people people ask and they're like, "Hey, you want to put fifty down?" I'm like, "Yeah, shit." <laughs> the most important question is, Trap, what you smoking right now? Oh, there you go. <laughs> trap left. You heard me, Trap? Yeah, uh, plus, uh, the Placencia Amo Fuerte. Oh, hey, hey, you got kid, you got some of them kids cigars yet? I know you live right next to them, yeah, so well, I know you. You got some McCann cigars yet? Oh, I smoke. I smoked a few of them. I gotta go. Uh, I'm supposed to go over there and pick up uh, a couple more because I ain't got no more left in my house. I told him I'm not buying a box unless he signed it. Nah. <laughs> so when you see him, when you see him tell, yeah, you see him tell him I'm not buying a box unless he signed it. <laughs> Tarif, all right now. You know, you know, I, you, know you, you literally live like 200 yards behind me. Yeah, I know. That's why I told you to tell him. Yeah. I'm gonna tell you. I'm bad. We gotta talk about football. Let's talk. Let's talk some Florida State football. Hey, we're just now getting started. It's only eight eleven. We're just now getting started, baby. All right. So I just need to know real quick from Tarif, and I, I just need to know: are the white numbers gonna bring a, a season opening win for Florida State this season? That's all I need to know. <laughs> Most definitely, bro. Um, the a fun fact, you know, Florida State we're actually on a sixteen game winning streak, wearing the white numbers. Um. So you know, that means, that the last, means we must not wear them. We must we must not wear them when Chaggy Taggy was there. Then, <laughs> bro, they only we only won we only won eighteen games the past three years. So you know, it, it was really like bad juju on that man. So you know, I'm I'm definitely excited to see you know the new uniforms. And you know, I didn't say it before, man. I believe in, in Coach Norvell and you know what he what he building here. Um, and, and that's gonna be a a, you know, tremendous feeling, you know, just seeing that, you know, the, the work that's been put in, you know, with the campaign and everything. And then, you know, FSU actually signing off on it. Mm-hmm. But I, that was just dope to see it come to, you know, to fruition. So, yeah, yeah, we, we got that win coming, bro. I mean, we should. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, Georgia, Georgia Tech, man, they, I mean, they won three games last year. Um, so, you know, they got a lot of weak spots. I think we they got come, a lot they coming, coming back. They coming to us, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's you got what I'm all guarded on? I don't know, bro. That's what I'm. That's what I'm saying, bro. Trap that's like mandatory. Up, you can't play Georgia no, Tech if you ain't got all guard on. No, that's what I was saying, bro. Bobby knew, like, and with y'all, like, y'all always were all guarded, like, versus Georgia Tech. But I think for the first game, he's just gonna go traditional because you know it's week one, national broadcast. I was pushing for the all garnet, and I told him, I told him, bro. I was like, bro, let, let's hit that all garnet. Oh, Garnet, hot as fuck in September, though. I ain't going to lie. To you. My bad. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Hot as heck. Hot as heck. Hot as heck. Hey, we're, we're all straight. We're all straight. We already gave a little bit of warnings. It's going to be a little bit above PG-13. Yeah. It's all good. It's all good. I'm I, in front of my kids. No, I'm uh, wide awake. Uh, I do, too. Uh, but the all Garnet, I mean, no, I, don't, I think that's – my thing is that's tradition. No it matter, is. No matter we no, – I'm just My first game, my first uh, real road game – was against Georgia Tech at Bobby Dodd Stadium. In y'all wore all garnet. With, uh, with, uh, with Mighty Joe uh, Hamilton at the quarterback. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, it was, it was we were in all garnet at their place. And yeah, we wore exactly. all garnet when they came to our place. It's just that's how, how it is, it. man. I think that's part nah. of the tradition in itself. 
So I think the guy should put the all garnered on man and go to work. Mm-hmm. I 100% agree, bro. Like, I could not agree more with you. But I did my uniform predictions yesterday, and I had us in traditional oh. just because I think that's just going to be a safe safe pick. You know, it's his first game. But, I mean, shit, Tag went all black for game one. So yeah, I might you see, be, you I see might where that got his ass? <laughs> <laughs> all, black, all black was pretty hey, fitting for that funeral. Hey, I, I, hey. I, I, I was there for hey. that shit show. And was, I was like, was at first, there. I was gassed up, too, like everybody else. Like, oh, yeah. man, we had all black. Bro, guess I what? pushed that it shit for a, a, you a look, year. You can, you can look like a killer, but won't bust a grape, and it don't matter. Yeah. Yeah, bro. Trap actually called it. Trap actually called it. He called. I don't know if you remember this. Trap called me on, like, Thursday. Like, hey, I, called, I don't know about this, man. It's too much going on, man. You can't have Bobby hey, Dickey dude. back. You can't retire Dub jersey. You can't wear all black. You can't play primetime and have and, and all that. He's like, if you <laughs> lose that with all that momentum, right. you deserve to be fired on that day. Mm. Like, right now. Yeah. They could they should have fired if they had fired him right then, we could have saved him. Right <laughs> so, I was That's a like, follow follow like it was a marriage. Like, listen, man, we didn't have him for a full year, man. This is a mistake. We want to know this contract. We call that that Kim K. That's that Kim K. When she married for like thirty days. Seventy days. days. That was um that was uh Chris uh thing, what's it, Chris Humphreys that played for the Nets. Oh Uh, end of the day is I just thought, man, Mm -hmm. I just thought that end is that and it didn't help also doing a freaking walkthrough. At a, at, a, at a random ass hotel while you got a, a hotel full of Virginia Tech people. That that, that yeah. also, in my opinion, that was more of a fireball offense to getting your ass pulled by sorry at Georgia Tech on national TV. But I digress. <laughs> we, we, hey, we, I don't want to keep talking about the ex girlfriend. Now we're going. Well, I say, I say we yeah. move. I say we move into the good stuff. Aria, we had you on our podcast and we talked about Norvell and and the, the situation that he's coming into with no spring and whatnot, but. On the positive note, what what excites you about actually this game happening at three thirty uh, this upcoming weekend? What excites you about this staff? Man, I tell you what. First, we get to play football, and then that's that was something I think six months ago no one really had any idea that we would even be able to suit up come this weekend. So that's probably what I'm most excited about. I'm sure the fans, you know, seventeen thousand, twenty thousand, whatever, show up and can show up will be excited about. But yeah, I think we're all just ready to see a little bit more disciplined Florida State football, right? Like, I, I, I think Georgia Tech's a good opponent to start with. Like, that's that's ideal um, in terms of the, the, the people that you could have got unless it was going to be Samford or Jacksonville State or one of those teams that, that you knew was a cupcake. But um, this, is, this is an opportunity, I think, for Florida State to win its first season opening game since 2016. Remember, they beat Ole Miss, and, and from then on, they haven't really won the first game of the year. And I don't think they've won their first ACC game since 2015 or something like that. So um, momentum, that locker room needs momentum. I think it's been a long time since those kids in that locker room have felt uh, good about themselves and the direction of which the, the program is going um, during their time at Florida State. So I think winning is so important, and I think – I don't even think you have to do it convincingly. I just think you got to win, feel good about yourself, and and just try and maybe navigate this COVID era, twenty twenty football season. Yeah, I, I I agree with you. The discipline factor is big, and I that's why I look at Big A James, also Freddie here, and Trap. But how big of discipline that plays a factor? Because 
the last couple of seasons, even Jimbo Fisher's last year, and they had some sketchy times too, uh, too during his career, kind of, you know, guys pointing fingers at one another, having silly mistakes that costed some games. But going to the players right here, how big is discipline a factor for actually moving the L's to dubs? I mean, discipline, in my opinion, yeah, coaches got to install it, but it's got to be a player thing. Like, I, I mean, I played with Trap, and it was like, Trap can know some of these names. Some of y'all might not remember these names, but like, I remember when I was, I had to learn how to run the ball, right? How to play fullback, because I played defense. And I kept running up on the offensive line. And there was this dude named Ty Williams. And Ty Williams told me, listen, you keep running up behind my back, I'm going to put my fist through your face. And Ty was about six, what, six, eight, six, nine? He was large. He was large. <laughs> and he had, he was dark as my iPhone. And he had one gold tooth, and somehow, <laughs> somehow it was right in the center of his mouth. And every time he talked, it just saw that gold tooth. And it wasn't necessarily a fear. It was just, do I want to tussle with this guy? And you wouldn't want that like, fight. I, I, I believe it. I was like, it's just in my mind, like, all right, I'd rather do that. But I also heard, you know, when you get penalties and stuff like that, guys held each other accountable. But coaches also did, too. So uh, I remember talking to Coach Fuller about um, Mickey Andrews. Now, luckily, I never had to experience this because I didn't play defense. But I remember watching it, and it was hilarious that I didn't have to go through it. And Mickey's talked about it on my podcast before. You got eight no matter what. Now, if you – eight gassers, excuse me. Now, if you go and you do what you're supposed to do, you can get the eight gassers knocked out. And there was days that th those boys was really, really good, and they did what they were supposed to do, and they didn't have to run eight. But you had your punishments on top of the eight. So, like, you could make a play in Mickey Andrews' defense and still have two, three gassers because you loafed, you didn't do it his way, or all these things. So, again, so I'm saying all that is that accountability happened on the player side, but it was also handled from up top. And Coach Fuller asked me, he was like, so they did gassers, your conditioning on Monday, and you did, they did the punishments the next day. And I was like, nah, no, you, you, they knocked that out. Like, when we was all done with our gassers on offense, we walking off the field, and I hear the whistle still blowing, and it's de it's defensive cats out there getting after it. We don't we don't we didn't, the, we didn't leave the dang at midnight. You see what I'm saying? See, and, and 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 here's the catcher. They didn't complain because it was they they wanted to do it because if you were forced, you would be over the 20 hour rule. But you were so mad at yourself for not doing the play right that you decided to allow the boys now, to make I, you I run. appreciate you giving us that credit, but that just ain't how it went down. No, I'm saying that's <laughs> was, how they documented it. That's it how they was, had to document it. It was, oh, yeah, that's how they documented it. That's how they had to document it. So it was, that's what I mean, and, Jane, I mean, James is right. Uh, but the discipline starts with the coaches. The players, yeah, you got to learn to be disciplined. Because contrary to belief, all of us when we come out of high school are a bunch of undisciplined fucking turds. All of us when we come out of high school don't know our fucking asshole from the hole in the ground. Somebody has to lead us the right way. Somebody has to lead us to be the men we want to be. And when you talk <laughs> to Mickey Andrews, Mickey will tell you, I came inside your mother, mama's house and I promise you I'll turn you into a man. And I refuse to let you go home less than what the hell you left there. And that was the thing is, is, is the coaches holding you accountable to say, I'm going to make you better. If Whether you go to the NFL or you go into real life, I'm going to make you a better man than the man I met when you were 17 years old. When you leave here, you're going to be accountable. 
you're going to be uh, uh, respectable. You're going to be uh, uh, every abode you can be is what you're going to be. And one and, and and the final thing you're going to learn to play sideline to sideline, no seatbelt. And that's the biggest thing is, 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 is that you learn. And if the coaches don't teach it, it becomes it becomes a, a a butterfly effect. If you don't get it from the if you don't get it from the top, you're gonna just be you're gonna be mediocre on the bottom. But when you start when you from the day you hit campus and coaches over there making you bust your ass from the day you get there, he's holding you accountable and he and, and, and he's making you available you ability, accountability, availability, and he's making sure you do your job. That right there, it's, it, it's, it, it, trick, it, it goes, it rolls downhill. So the seniors now, when they become seniors, they know how to hold the young guys accountable. They know how to make sure the young guys, how hey, this is how we work. The standard is the standard. When you get out here, don't you get the bullshitting. Because guess what? Any kid, if you tell a kid, man, if I, if, and, and all of us, I don't know if everybody a daddy. Freddie, I don't know if you a daddy. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Keith, I don't know if you a daddy. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Tariq. But when you, the shit you let your kids do, they'll do anything you let them get away with. They'll burn this motherfucking house down if you let them. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They will burn it to the ground. But guess what? At some point, you got to teach them some type of discipline and some type of right from wrong in order to lead them where you want to take them, in order to lead them where you want them to go. And if coach can't give you that leadership, then where are you gonna go? You gonna go? You gonna go down? Cause you gonna do all the shit that you think like, damn, I'm getting to do that. The coach ain't tripping. I'm getting to do that, and coach ain't doing this. You know what? And and James, we go back to we go back to the Virginia Tech game like we talked about. When I was at Florida State, the kickoff team didn't dance unless they put up a 50 burger and was up by 30. Mm. They literally the offense had to put up 50 points and we were winning by 30 for them to allow the kickoff team to dance. And yet we dancing on the first kickoff. That's when I said, you know what? <laughs> These dudes ain't ready to win. They ready to look good. They ready to they, they ready to get their name called in, on the jumbotron. But they ain't ready. They ain't ready to fucking bust nobody mouth wide open. Yeah, it's it's been an entitlement the last couple of years, bro. But that, well, that a lot of it comes. It's like what um, it's, you know, but trap brought up it's. It's, I don't need no. The problem is with coaches. Like I, my coaches, Billy used to tell me. Billy Sexton told me this. I tell my son. And when I was coaching, I tell people this. I don't need no new friends under the age of twenty six. Like so, I mean, I'm not here to be your friend. I'm here to tell you what to do. And the biggest, the best quote I had. He's like, James, I like you, but I love my wife. My wife likes nice things. If you don't do your job. I can't buy my wife nice things because I'm out of a job. So I'm not going to let my like for you outshine my love for my lifestyle. And I think that's kind of where a lot of the things just, just change. I mean, just discipline and accountability. Um, it comes in the off season. I like what coach storms and some of those guys have done, but hell, there's not a thing I've ever accomplished. There's not, there's very few things in life that I've ever experienced that are harder than mad drills. And I had the softer version of mad drills. <laughs> And bottom line is, if it's harder than Matt drills, I probably ain't got no business doing it anyway. So that's kind of how I judge things. So, and that comes from my my plan. So, um, hopefully, again, I hear it. It sound good, but we gonna see on Saturday mm -hmm. if all that, if all, because again, I know it's some respected, reputable media members on here. But I'm on. I, I'm, I'm hearing about buy-in. I'm hearing about coaching. I'm hearing about all this shit, and it sound good. 
but I heard all that two years ago mm. in, the, in the initial stuff. I heard that stuff when Jimbo first got here. Somewhere it got lost in translation. You heard what? Go look at the articles from two years ago. Facebook on this day app is one of the greatest things ever. Facebook on this day app will tell you what you was doing and what you was sharing on this day. And I swear to God, when I saw a, a new level of energy, new level of coaching, love, buying, we're buying. Ooh. I'm seeing all these things last spring. And it, I mean, two springs ago, and it, when I was looking at my stuff and it threw me off. But I do think, but but we obviously, I guess, that wasn't the case. So, Aria. I just want to see it. All right, you said that you have a little story here. You just texted me that relates to Travis. Yeah, no, I mean, I think Travis and James were, you know, they're talking about accountability and discipline, and it starts from the top, and it does start with Norvell. And it just reminded me of a story of, of uh, this, those seminal legacy videos that have been put out on social media just the last few months. Uh, just some of the stories from some of the guys who have been shooting those and, you know, hanging out with Norvell and, and that staff. One of the stories I heard was that they were actually scouting – for spots to do some of these videos and they they looked in one of the i think it was one of the football offices um that had plaques and awards that were kind of scattered all over a table and norvell visibly got upset walked over and said guys presentation matters we've got to get this right and I, to me that was just a small thing it's not even that big of a deal but to me having someone that has that attention to detail and he's right presentation does matter because it has nothing to do with what the plaques look like in the room. It has everything to do with how do you present yourself as not just a person, as a player, as a student athlete, as a program, how do we put our, ourselves out there? And I think you've seen it this summer. There's been a good foundational start for Florida state. And I think that's, I know James said, I want to see it and I need to see it on the field. And I think he's absolutely right. But I've heard some of these little things that, that at least make me, feel good that we will see some of these things coming sooner rather than later. Mm -hmm. Freddie, I got a question for you as a, from a player perspective, Travis talking about, and James talking about, um, it's starting with the coaches, but the players have to take accountability too. But there hasn't really been much of that at Florida state over the last couple of years. Right. So who are the players that step up and do that for FSU? I mean, if you're shooting the dark, obviously we'll find out as the season starts, but who are those guys? I mean, is it Terry? Is it the, is it the big nap? Is it just Wilson and Terry? Are they quiet leaders? You know, who are the guys that you're kind of pegging with that? I mean, yeah, the ones that have been a part of this journey the past few years, um, guys that came back for another year that could have ended the draft last year. You've been a part of this process where we've been losing. Been the laughing stock for three years. It's up to y'all what y'all want to do going forward. We can keep getting laughed at. Are we going to hold them boys accountable when they do this and we get it fixed? Last year, the past two years, they making mistakes and they knowing nothing ain't gonna happen. So we gotta get it nipped in the bud right now. Cause for the state, we ain't finna keep doing this. I ain't nah. Nah, I agree. I, I need to introduce someone that just dropped in at the bottom. Uh, I got I got a Steeler coming in here. I got a two-time Super Bowl champ and former Knoll corner uh, Bryant McFadden joining. We've had him on our World podcast before. What's up? What's up? <laughs> oh, what's up? What's, what's happening, yeah, fellas? Yeah. What's good? We yeah, we good. we're pretty much discussing the change and how discipline we may see and hopefully optimistic change from what we saw in the last staff and even Jimbo Fisher's last year. You saw a lack of discipline. Um, but just kind of how discipline and organization takes a toll and makes an effect on a team with probably going from L's to actually making some dubs out of them. I mean, discipline is something that you need to have, not just in sports, but in life, if you want to be successful. 
um, you know, going back to grade school, being disciplined, paying attention, understanding what you're supposed to do. Uh, when you're a part of a football team, you know, you're a part of a team and um, everybody got to do their job. You know, Belichick has made that uh, famous, that cliche, do your job. And I think that's something that we haven't seen as of late. And uh, I'm optimistic that we will see better discipline. Uh, the reason why I'm, I'm optimistic is because just hearing some of the things that Mike Novell talks about, uh, he sounds like a ball coach. He sounds like a guy who's been around some real quality coaching. And the first thing I recognized and that stuck out to me about Novell uh, was his love and, and, and enthusiasm for special teams. For me, that's how you determine and see what kind of ball club you got when they go down and execute on special teams. That's the intangibles. It takes special people to play on special teams. And, you know, for you guys that have put on that helmet, special teams ain't made for everybody. And everybody can't coach special teams. And I think just hearing him talk about special teams and how big that is for the success of the program is something that stood out to me. And then everything else kind of trickled down. So for me, I think we will be disciplined. I, I clearly hope we will, we will be disciplined. But based on what we saw the last two years, I don't think the bar is extremely high as far as discipline. So I think <laughs> I, this staff is in a good position because it's not like it's a high bar for them to reach to be able to satisfy us as fans, as spectators, and as part of the program to be like, wow, they're disciplined. So the bar is extremely low. So anything that they do, I think it's a, it's a positive and it's a plus. Mm -hmm. I agree. Let me see. So it's 8.30. Like I said, it's all up to you guys. You can stay for however long you want. I'm about to put in a few more other people in here. I just It's either how long you want to stay, all up to you. It's This is what the NFL Network did when they did the NFL draft. A lot of the players stayed in here for a little while and whatnot, but uh, let's get them record predictions real quick. Oh, yeah. If, let's get – in case you're leaving, Brian, you can stay forever. I know you just got in here, so you definitely stay if you want. Um, if you all want to throw in record predictions. Hey, no, or, hey. is Travis, oh, I thought Travis was stopping me. Who wants to go first? You got it, Tarif? Yeah, yeah, I got it. I got it. Um, right. I, I'm, I'm expecting, you know, a better organized, you know, group, you know, overall with coaching, uh, the players, um, and everything. So, you know, I'm – I, I, I see us winning seven games and then, you know, winning eight in the bowl, you know, if, if this COVID stuff don't get out of control. But uh, like I said, man, I believe in Coach Novell and what he's doing. And um, and, and I believe these, these guys have, have bought in to, to what he's going to do. And, and he's going to show it, you know, week one. So I got a seven and four, man, eight and four. Nice year. And then, you know, everything will get back to normal, hope, hopefully in 2021. Solid. White numbers. <laughs> Optimism. The white, number, the, the white numbers is the mic drop for Tariq. White numbers, I'm out. <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> I'm really good, man. Hey, appreciate you, Tariq, for coming on here, man. We'll have to link up yeah, soon. Yeah, no doubt, bro. Thank you all, man. Appreciate you. Appreciate you. I mean, here's the thing. I mean, competent coaching last year would have won us three more games, four with the bowl game. I mean, when you look at what happened with, um, with Virginia, Wake Forest, and even Boise, one four-minute offense. Like, so a lot of people know about, you know, they know about two-minute or one-minute up-tempo, got a score, four minutes, killed a, killed a clock. Any, like, if we just had one drive in all those games, we win those games. And that's the difference between the guy getting fired and the guy staying on. So if we have a guy who's actually – and we have communication on the offensive side of the ball um, where Coach Dillingham and Coach Norvell speak the same language and you have a defensive coordinator – who was higher because he fits the style of offense of offensive play that you have. That's, that means that we got better coaching. 
that's just what I'm looking at. And when I look at the schedule, there's three teams on this schedule that have just as good a talent and maybe slightly better athletes than we have. And that's Miami, Notre Dame, and Clemson. North Carolina's moving forward, but they still haven't flipped their entire roster yet. Um, Pitt has a great D-line, but you can't tell me – and one of the best D-tackle – I mean, best defensive linemen, excuse me, in the ACC opted out. But you can't tell me another player on Pitt's roster. Like, so I'm not going to – and and other thing, too, is I'm glad he said it in his presser today, I believe. But Mike said this on my 36 Degrees podcast in March. He said the standard is the standard. He said the standard is winning championships, and that's the standard that he wants to be held to. Now, I can't go and say we're going to win ACC or play in it. But what I can say is that this is a this is a roster and this is a schedule that should that eight wins should be able to be had. If you can't get eight wins with this schedule right here, I got news for you. That 21 schedule is brutal. 22 gets worse. 23 <laughs> gets worse. If you can't get eight right now and pick up recruiting, we're going to be saying a lot. We're going to be having this same. Um, no game day discussion <laughs> in, in four years, in four or five years, um, welcoming, um, I'm going to joke on myself, welcoming Bob Stoops. Oh, <laughs> no, don't even do it. I'm looking at the schedule because I haven't looked at it before right now. I mean, I only see one or two games that might be a question. Clemson, of course, I don't see as many people Clemson. Uh, Virginia, I think they got a they got a solid team. Uh, Barco Mendenhall is coaching is coaching his ass off over there in Charlottesville. Uh, when we look at the regular schedule, I mean, as far as talent is concerned, my question is is just football IQ. It's saying, you know, uh, it, it's you know, how how bad is is the dumbed down offense of the last few years affected some of these guys? You know what I'm saying? How how bad is the uh, how bad is Playing in a bunch of different defenses without any, without any rules, without any responsibility. How has this slowed them down over the years? So, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I still got big questions. Of course, I would say, oh, we're gonna be undefeated. Is that gonna happen? No. But I think seven wins is possible. But I think every game on here, except for Clemson and and uh, Clemson and Virginia Tech, I think is winnable. I think. But it's also the main thing it's gonna come down to is the play of our quarterback. Is 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 is, is if, uh, if the Slim Reaper if he gonna play well, or if he's gonna be the starter, I think he needs to play. He, he has to be, make plays. Offensive line have to be able to protect him, and if, on defense we got to be able to get sacks. If we don't do any of those three, it's gonna be a long year. You know what I mean? I think in the corners, I mean we got to get B Mac out there covering. You know what I mean? In the day, <laughs> if, if our corners can't cover and our and our D lineman can't pass rush and our offensive lineman can't block. And our quarterback can't complete damn a simple ass slant. It's gonna be a long day. But I think if we can protect our quarterback, get him to push the ball downfield. Because I don't, I don't I, listen. I don't want to see, uh, I don't want to see baby zone. Uh, I mean, uh, pistol, pistol, uh, pistol zone right, pistol zone left, uh, option. Throw it to the little pop pad. I don't want to see that shit. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? And when I watched Memphis play last year. Uh, with Norvell, with, with Norvell them, that's not what I saw. So I'm excited to see what they're doing. But my biggest question is also going to be how how much learning has these guys had to do over this time? And can they grasp the offense? And can they grasp the defense? 
like it. Are you? Um, hey, you up? It was, hey, my bad. I'm just, I'm out, guys. It was good seeing you. I gotta go bathe you my kids. Take it. All right, Jake. All right, brother. Uh, hey, Matt, what you think, dog? I'm looking at this schedule, and uh, if we could get eight wins, I'm jumping for joy. Uh, and the reason why I say that is because I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be realistic, right? With the abnormal offseason, Novell and his staff is basically getting ready to play a for real ball game after spring football. Basically, because they didn't have the luxury of having spring football to get familiar with the new personnel and then vice versa with the kids getting familiar with their coaching method and things like that. So now, granted, the we entire get college football wins. world is going through the same I'm thing. Jumping for but not every team that we're facing against have a whole new staff. Starting with the head coach, you talk about coordinators, uh, new uh, uh, position coaches. So that will take time. And the thing that really worries me about this schedule, we got Georgia Tech. We should be able to beat Georgia Tech just straight off with just talent. Georgia Tech was a bad team last night. Citadel beat Georgia Tech in Atlanta last year. Now, Jeff Collins, I think he's a heck of a coach, but it's, it's going to take some time to rebuild that process. But now we got Miami week two, like Trap said. Now we're really going to see what we have. Because, yeah. Are we, we going to see what we have, B-Mac? No question. We're going to see what we got, guys, based on how well we play against Georgia Tech. If we struggle against Georgia Tech, it's going to take some time before we actually see the real Florida State, in my opinion. If we go out and blow Georgia Tech out of the waters, technically we're supposed to do that, right? We're supposed to beat Georgia Tech by double digits easily based on how bad they were last year. But with Miami, the issue with Miami has been the last three, four years has been quarterbacks. They probably have the best quarterback since Ken Dorsey. And Ken Dorsey wasn't a hellraiser. He just was a smart quarterback. But athletically speaking, Derek King might be the best quarterback Miami has had in a long time. Right? right, so you got Miami week two, and then you get Jackson uh, State. I think it is that should be a wash. So I would really have loved to see Jackson, uh, Jacksonville State, Georgia Tech, and then Miami. Because I think right now week two we jumping in the fire, and that can either break the mental part of our team or help us. And one thing that I've seen from the last few years, guys, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, we didn't have a mentally tough team. It's not about just changing how these guys play football. Norville has to change a culture, right? A culture that is mentally tough. They weren't mentally tough over the last few years. So we start off one and one, and then after Jacksonville State, you got Ian Book, right? Notre Dame, based on the play of Ian Book, I think Ian Book is a great quarterback. He's been around in college football for a long time. They can put up points, and they got a stout defense as well. And then you got North Carolina. I think in the ACC, Sam Howell might be the second-best quarterback in the ACC. And that's mm -hmm. saying a lot when you look at the quarterbacks that's, are in, that's in the ACC along with Ian Book. So you got North Carolina. Mac Brown's done a phenomenal job recruiting. Then you got Louisville, Tutu Atwell, and those guys. They believe that they can play against anybody in the ACC. So the, the deciding factor for me, if we beat – if we start off 2-0 and no, – I think we 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 believe we got something in the tank. I think if we start off one and one, and if that Miami game is not competitive, number one, let's start week one. Like I said, if that Georgia Tech game is a nail biter for us, I'm worried, and I'm not worried that we don't have the right people in place to get the guys to put forth a better effort. I'm just worried about the time. They didn't have enough time. Like I said, they basically had spring football, and now you're getting ready to play week one in a for real ball game. That's the fair part about what's going on. 
But sometimes that takes time to establish the rhythm. And for us, we don't have no kickoff. We don't have any warm-up game, any warm-up game. You got Clemson, you got Louisville, you got North Carolina, you got uh, uh, Pitt, you got uh, Notre Dame, you got UVA. And the thing about this schedule, no one is afraid of Florida State anymore. Everybody feel like they can beat Florida State, even the NC States of the world. Georgia Tech mm-hmm. going to feel like they can beat Florida State. And that's the mental hurdle that we got to get over is not is knowing that everybody feel like they can beat you at any given Saturday. So I, if we can get eight wins, I think I would be shocked, me personally. But I think realistically speaking, I see seven and four, and I wouldn't be surprised to see six and five. And you come back to me after Georgia Tech, I might have a different opinion. But Georgia Tech, we should beat them. But, I mean, it might take some time to really see us clicking uh, like we will click in the near future. Uh, Brian, I mean, you talked about this. You talked about that Miami game. I mean, everybody on here is going to predict that it, that we beat Georgia Tech. That Miami game is so crucial, right? I, mm-hmm. I, other than Notre Dame and Clemson, there's not another team on the schedule that this guy's as much talent as Miami does, right? So if we can beat Miami, realistically, you could beat anybody, but, but maybe those big two. Um, yeah. I want to ask this. I want to get Aria's schedule predictions, but uh, ESPN right now has this is a 73% chance to beat Miami, and I feel like that's just incredible. I mean, I know that we all want us to win. I know that we're all slightly homers at times, but is anybody buying that? Is anybody – I don't understand why that's so high. I'm buying uh, that. Is buying, is buying I'm one. buying that. I'm Let's buying that. Let's hear I'm it. Let's hear it. That. Let's hear it. Okay, so, so Travis, he's talking about ESPN has FSU at, at a 73, 73% chance to beat Miami. Which is, you know, the the win share is pretty high. I, I mean, now, I, don't, I listen. Manny Diaz is one of us, but Manny Diaz is an awful coach. No question. Yeah, so, so he's a god awful coach. Yeah. So, here's why I think that Miami is is setting themselves up for failure. You know, you know, Bryant just mentioned that you know Florida State's got a new coaching staff. You know, Miami's got the same a new offensive coordinator. Week three against a defense that. Um, by all reports, it, it's been pretty solid in camp. Has taken well to what Coach Fuller's is uh, putting in and, and what he's installing. The defense has done really well, and they have the pieces there. It's not really been um, a lack of talent. It's been a lack, lack of coaching on the defense the past few years, and a lot of those guys have responded this year. So you look at Miami, and they yeah they they get a great transfer in Derek King, but you know I. I the guy's five foot seven, five foot eight. I want to see him do it against bigger competition. You know, he he's a great athlete. He's a great passer. Um, Miami had the worst offensive line in, in the country last year. They gave up fifty one sacks, and and, and that's saying a lot. Cause we were off. Yeah, and and that's worse than Florida State. And, and like you said, it says a lot. So uh, they replaced ninety nine starts on defense at linebacker. Their best player on the team opted out. Um, their best defensive back was considered to be a freshman, Avante Williams. He's out. Uh, they have a lot of question marks at receiver. Um, Miami is horribly coached. Uh, I'm, I'm not a big fan of, of Diaz. Yeah, he can recruit. I think COVID has really helped um, that recruiting class. But you look at them on paper, and they don't have a lot of a, a lot of answers to show you that or validate why that preseason hype is is warranted. And I don't think that they are nearly as talented as Florida State. They haven't recruited well over the past four years as FSU has done. So 
I, I think a team that you guys have talked about um, over the last 45 minutes, a team that's well coached um, can beat this Miami team. You look at Louisiana Tech and what they did in the bowl game, um, shut them out, well coached team. A, a, a team that can coach and scheme is going to, I think, going to beat the brakes off Miami. So that's why I feel very good about, about FSU beating Miami this year. Let me let me I'll take it. Yeah, I hope you're right. Yeah, uh, fingers crossed. <laughs> I, I hope I'm right too. <laughs> Jason, we all hope you're right. Let me let me introduce Jason Parker. He just got down here a few uh, minutes ago. He's with me on the Mark Rogers TV show, also NBC Six, down in that Miami area. Jason, you we've been talking about this on the Mark Rogers show for months and months about Miami, and we always have Miami fans in our YouTube comments just trolling us. But what's your take on this whole Miami game? There's a lot of idiots down here who legitimately think Miami <laughs> should be playing Clemson for the, the ACC championship. There's a lot of idiots down here who think this is the best Miami team since that 2001 team. And I've asked them why. They believe D.R. King is a Heisman. This is legitimately things I've heard. D.R. King is a Heisman Trophy quality quarterback. The offensive line that, that Nate talked about being atrocious. Oh, well, he was all freshman last year and blah, blah, blah. Do I think, to answer TJ's question, do I think Florida State should be a, seven, I guess, 73% chance to beat Miami? No, I think that's a little high. Do I think Florida State should beat Miami? Yeah, absolutely. I think one thing that you got to look at is the schedule. I think we have the benefit of having that Jacksonville State game, which is replacing the Sam, Samford game on the schedule, moving to the week between Miami and Notre Dame. I'm still not a fan of it, but I think that could be a benefit because you've got Georgia Tech in the bye week. Miami's got to host UAB, who's a decent group of five team. Everyone's sleeping on UAB. I think that's the toughest of Miami's non-conference games they could have had. Then they got to go play a Louisville team who they, Miami may beat, but Louisville's going to beat them up. Scott Satterfield's mm -hmm. team is going to beat them up. They are going to come back. Somebody's going to be hurt. Somebody's going to be batter coming to that game. We're going to come in fresh. So if you're telling me right now, you know, like Brian said, talk to me after the Georgia Tech game. But if you're saying right now, I think Florida State wins that game by – Four points. I, I, I'm going to put it on right now. 21. Yeah, I think we'll know. 20, I'll take 21, too. I need no more stress. <laughs> yeah. Hey, even the Jameis year, the second Jameis year was stressful against my – like every year that's stressful. That whole year was I'll, stressful. Yeah. Yeah, I'll take the, I'll take the 21. It, it, anytime against Miami, it's a rivalry game. No matter how good you yeah. are, B-Mac will tell you, Freddie will tell you, no matter how good you are, how, how good you think you are, I mean, it's always a good game. I mean, when you look back yeah, to 2000 – Freddie's freshman year was fun. <laughs> no, you look back to 2001 where Florida was just that much better than us. You know what I mean? As far as uh, with, with what they had on that team, it still was a dogfight. You know what I mean? Like, you look at Miami, every year was a dogfight. Whether we had bad quarterbacks, good quarterbacks, we had bad quarterbacks most times in the school. But um, regardless, mm -hmm. I mean, it, it was always going to be a dogfight. But my key factor, like B-Mac talked about watching the Georgia Tech game, but my key factor for that Miami game, Offensive line versus defensive line. And when you talk about Miami having a group of sophomores, and you talk about what we supposedly have in that defensive line room as three top 25 defensive linemen in the country in the same room on the same D lineman, and I still haven't mentioned Kane, though. You know what I mean? Like, that mm -hmm. to me says the D line can literally control that entire game if they come to set new lines of scrimmage. So – you know, I'm I'm gonna bet I'm gonna bet on Odell because that's my guy. Period. I think uh, a lot of that what ESPN just put out, that's the respect they have for Mike Novell. 
Mm-hmm. I think they really believe because I remember when we hired Mike Norvell, uh, I was talking with some folks from 24 seven and they just was like, wow, that's, that's a great hire. You're going to see, and you know what I mean? And, and my taste bud was so sour in my mouth from my last head coach. I was like, man, I'm not, I'm not, I don't have a reason to be happy about anything, but I think that is the respect nationally that people have for him as a head coach and his ability to be able to coach players. I think so. I, I, cause I'm, I'm surprised that they have us, you know, uh, giving us a 73% chance to win that ball game. Now that could increase, that could decrease based on what happens week one. But I think that has a lot to do with the respect, uh, for Mike Norvell. Right. And I think, I think Mike Norvell did a good job. And, and, and Logan and I have talked about this on other podcasts we've done. Mike Norvell did a good job in that, that introductory press conference about, about keeping expectations at a certain level. I think when, when, when Willie Taggart came in after the whole Jimbo Fisher fiasco, he's, we, we kind of felt like the jilted, you know, the, we were that hurt boyfriend, girlfriend breaks up with you and whatnot, and you're in that hurt relationship, and you're like, yeah, this one's going to be better, this one's going to be better. And Mike Gravel's like, hey, it's going to take you, half Hey, Jason, you told yourself that, Jason? <laughs> I, I, I am the most biased. Crack. Travis. I am the most biased Florida State grad you will meet. So, yes, I did tell myself that. I thought we'd be playing down here at the Orange Bowl and everything. Yes. I got a bridge in Brooklyn I want to sell you next. If you believe that, that when they hired him, he was going to be better than Jimbo Fisher. No, I, no, 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 not better. But we all kind of we kind of felt like when Jimbo, the way Jimbo left, we were like, you know what, we don't need you. We got someone better and whatnot. That's the way it, there was a lot of that feeling. Mike Gravel came in at that press conference, and you listened to what he said about how he said it's going to take time. You know, we're going to build this back up. Exactly. And that's all we want is honesty. It's, it's transparency. And I, and I mean, I think that's that to me is what, uh, uh, you know, and I don't even like to say the last dude's name. We're going to use him like Lord Voldemort. He can't, his name can't be said. <laughs> really cannot be said in this chat room right now. And at the end of the day is his, his, a oh, weak championship. Like championships, playoffs, like we just, Barely made it to the to the bowl game. Like, be honest with us. Say, man, listen, it's gonna be a work in progress, and we would have accepted that. But so one try- thing is, I, I I like Norvell. I mean, me and B Mac talk every day, and the thing we talked about from the jump was how he spoke to us as former players, his accountability to tradition, his his desire to. One, keep expectations, you know, dialed in and just saying, you know what, we're going to work. Like, you know what I mean? Like, no excuses. We're going to work, period. We, I'm not here to make friends. I'm not here to I'm not here to be their fucking homie. You know what I'm saying? I'm here, to, I'm here to get these boys to play. I'm here to get them to the next level. That's all I care about, winning and getting these guys yeah. out of here so I can get more guys. Yep. Let me uh, let me lead Ari in here because his heater playing right now and he's stressing out. So we gotta get his record yeah. prediction in before he starts oh, sweating on live camera. <laughs> but go ahead, Ari. What do you got? Norvell's first season. Yeah. Uh, is this the yeah, first time you've done your record prediction publicly? I think so. I just don't need the heat to blow it like they did uh, game four. So I need to uh, go ahead and get off. So I, I don't. Do. I don't. Uh... I do. I need the heat to blow it. So. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, so for me, so, you know, the way I, I mean, I go about it, you know, with percentages and, and probabilities, uh, if you if you count the two that I think Florida State probably has a 15 percent chance or less of a shot to win the game. Right. If you're doing probabilities, everyone's pointing to Clemson, Notre Dame. Those are the two you would say I 
I'm pretty sure the other team's going to win this ball game. So, the, so give those two as a loss. And there's probably five games in there that I, you probably feel Florida State has at least a 60, 65 percent chance of getting the W. And those are, you know, the Georgia Techs, Jacksonville State, NC State, UVA, Duke. I think all of those Florida State is favored. And, and, and you feel at least better about that game at kickoff than you do the other two. So say Florida State can win five solidly. They have those two that they, they're – I don't want to call them automatic losses because anything can happen, but you don't feel good about it at all. So that leaves you with four games, right? And that, that leaves you with, you know, the, the Miami, Pitt, Louisville, UNC. That four. And if you, if you split those at two and two – to me, that's seven and four on the year. And I think that's a reasonable way to look at this schedule. Split the two, the, the four games that are 50-50 shots, if you want to call them, or 55-45, lean whichever team you want in those four games. If you go two and two and you win those five that you feel good about and what Travis and I know uh, Bryant and, and some of these other players have been talking about beating the teams that you on paper are better than, um, that puts you at about seven wins. And I think nobody can complain in a COVID era 2020 season with no spring and, and all of these protocols. If Florida State wins seven games in the regular season this year, I just I, I don't know how you're not optimistic going into next mm-hmm. season, because if there is a bowl game, I'm not confident that we will even play bowl games this year. We might we might not. And you win an eighth in that eight and four mm-hmm. in this era. Look, that's that's as good as you felt since probably Jimbo's 10 and four season in 2010. That's where the optimism level should be. I think you're probably going to steal some of these recruits that are low key talking. I know Nate does a great job with some of these recruits who are, you know, they're feeling Florida State, but they need to see it on the field. And and if you if they see something on mm-hmm. the field, now you sell, hey, you take us to the next level. You're the one who takes us from I just won seven games without you. You take me to nine, ten and let's win a national title here. Uh, sooner rather than later so this season is important seven wins is my is where I feel good at that's the bar I'm going to set for this team seven wins and and I think you're you're starting to uh have some optimism in Tallahassee yeah I think that's a solid I think it's a solid time I haven't given well I agree but I think that's solid for FSU recruiting wise too I do yeah but uh Arya appreciate you man y'all be good good luck with work can't wait for the season all right go heat yeah Let me introduce real quick Peej down here. So if a lot of y'all don't know about Peej, he's, I've known Peej since my beginning on, in 2011. He's big on Twitter. I, he's a mix of a troll, but he knows his stuff. But he's been around for a while. We've actually had him on our podcast before. Uh, but what's up, Peej? What's going on, man? Hey, guys. How are you? Appreciate you having me on. What's up? What's up? How you doing, man? You love it. I'm, I'm in the office right now. I'm literally getting a phone call as we speak. Go ahead. You can mute if you want. All right. All right here we go. You go ahead. Yeah, I'm, I'm, good. Do- I'm good, guys. How are you? Doing great. What's up, Peach? I need to introduce someone real quick. We've yeah, been waiting on this one for a little while. Just, he uh, in a little late, but I think a lot of FSU fans will know who this guy is. Yeah, maybe so. Let's see if the audio will go through. There we go. Oh, I think he's still at the office. He is, too. What's going on, Charlie? How are you? Doing great. Having a great evening. Welcome, man, uh, to all the viewers and, and even listeners, too. National champion, Heisman winning quarterback, Florida State. Uh, excited to have you on, Charlie. We've, I swear you've been on every show, I think, uh, daily here in Tallahassee, I swear. Have? You you you've been busy. You've been all over the place, <laughs> giving record predictions, talking Norvell. But I, I want to start off real quick, and we can all discuss this because we haven't really been able to talk about it. But James Blackman, obviously named the starter here in Tallahassee, 
Mike Norvell believes in him. Uh, and, you know, the quarterback depth is another conversation. But I'll start off with you, Charlie. Give, give me your thoughts on James Blackman. We talked about him on our podcast, and we're predicting him to be the starter now that it's official. Uh, what are your thoughts on Blackman, and will he take this jump and end up being a really solid uh, quarterback and lead FSU to some wins this season? Um, well, I appreciate you having me on. Sorry I came on late. Uh, was coaching up, coaching up basketball team. Uh, but James, uh, you know, I think this is probably his first year where he's had probably the most stability. And I know the team, with all the 2020 craziness we've been going through with the missed spring and Zoom calls and all the different things we've had to go through, this is probably his most stable spring. I mean, uh, stable uh, season because there is, you know, there's always there's positivity around the program this year. Um, you know, the first year he got thrown, kind of thrown into the fire after Francois got hurt. And and so I think he's excited about the, the challenge that, that's before him. And he's proven to Coach Norvell. Of course, he's proven to all of us before, you know, his leadership ability, his teammates love him. And if you're going to have a quarterback, uh, you definitely want the, the team to, to rally around that guy. And I think James is – that type of player. Um, hopefully this year we'll be able to uh, give him a little bit more pass protection. Um, and I know they'll scheme up to where he take a little pressure off of him. Um, he's going to make some, have to make some throws and make plays, you know, accordingly. But um, I just think overall, this is probably the first year that he feels comfortable uh, with all the different things uh, going on. I know He'll probably say differently early on, but, you know, it was just, just a lot for him. You know, this is like his fourth coordinator in like four years. <clears throat> so it's crazy. It's crazy time for him. And um, But I think he's – if anyone can do it, I think he's the guy. Peach, Jason, anybody you want to give your kind of takes on Blackman and then heading forward even to this quarterback depth too with Purdy now undergoing his second surgery on his shoulder? Yeah, I, I, I feel like this is going to be his year. This is the make or break. We've talked about this before. He needs to come out in that Georgia Tech game and just ball out. This is where he needs to show because we all saw what happened last season, the Boise State game, the letdown there, the letdown again in the second half against Louisiana Monroe, the Virginia game. He needs that game, especially now with Miami coming up two weeks later. He needs that game to just show up and, and just completely, and I'm talking about balls to the wall, while out, I, I mean, I'm biased. I want 400 yards and 18 touchdowns, but I mean, I'd realistically take 300 yards and about three or four touchdowns at this point. But I do actually have a question for Charlie, though. As far as James Blackman, you talk about the four different coordinators in four years. Talk about this situation right now, Kenny Dillingham. What do you, how do you think that this will benefit him going back to more of the offense that you kind of saw under Jimbo Fisher than what he dealt with under Willie Tacker? Um, I think the schemes are the same. Um, you know, the, the, the scheme that he ran last year uh, had some some um, some tight end uh, tight ends in the backfield, uh, some power uh, when it came to the running game, some um, some run pass options, some RPOs. 
uh, all those things I think they had, um, and I think the same things that they're doing this year, I don't think that's any different. Um, but I do know that they've kind of, I want to say simplified, but they, they, I know last year he had a lot of choice options, choice routes, and he wasn't on the same page a lot of times with the receiver. Uh, well, most of most of the receivers are on the same page. It was just, you know, Tamaron, he was struggling with a little bit on times at times. Uh, but they had choices, you know, with the routes. And sometimes when you're not on the same page, you end up with mistakes. But I do believe this year, uh, from what I've heard, you know, he's had a good preseason. And, you know, I think he's ready. Um, I actually saw a picture where he didn't have a knee brace on in practice. So hopefully – you know, he can get rid of that knee brace that he's been wearing uh, for quite some time to be able to give him some more mobility. Um, I understand why he was wearing it, but I do believe this year, hopefully, I think this will be his year to where he can come out and perform at a high level. But even if he doesn't, uh, his main goal is, you know, is to manage the offense to where they can be productive. Um, I, I can just look back over my my time uh, when I was my first year uh, playing, it's not this is not his first year, but my first year playing, I put our defense in a difficult situation a lot, you know, by throwing interceptions. Wasn't um, worse than Chris Rich. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, you know, I did. Oh, I definitely uh, put our defense in a difficult situation, and they bailed me out. Uh, they gave me opportunity opportunity I uh, had a very good defense and our defense this year from what I've heard is very similar uh, we're very good have a lot of talent uh, front end front seven and the back uh, and so if we can just manage the game to where we can put some points on the board the defense can uh, do their uh, play to their strengths and do those types of things I think we can you know, we'll definitely be a much better football team this year than the years that we've uh, seen in the past three or four years. Hey, Charlie, real quick, man, because I know nobody else is going to ask this question, but I'm glad I got you on here. Um, talk about, right, I mean, as a coach, you've been, you had highs, you've had lows. As a player, you've had highs all over from NBA to Heisman Trophy. Talk about the pleasure you'll get this year when your guy, Alex Leatherwood, becomes a first-round pick, a guy that you coached in high school. I remember him when he was a freshman at your school in Pensacola. Talk about the pleasure you're going to get watching him because I wish he would have came to Florida State, but he's not. But just talk about – just give me a little bit of insight on the type of player he is because B-Mac, I tell you, I talk about this kid all the time. Uh, well, Leatherwood is uh, – I mean, this guy, he, he's definitely – you hear about this – special uh he's a he's a different different breed he's a special cat and what i mean by that is uh, and i'll just i'll share this story and you'll be like oh okay yeah i understand well he went on a he went on a uh a visit or trip to usc now he's from pensacola florida and he went to california and so i gave him a call while he was out there to, uh, you know, just mess with him a little bit, find out what he was doing, how he was doing, and how the trip was going. And when I, was, when I called him, this was in the evening, 
and I asked him what he was doing. He said he was uh, he was in the room uh, doing some homework. Um, and I was like, okay, <laughs> because he was he was working towards finishing up school early. So he was taking some online classes. And while he was out in California, he was in his room doing homework. And so that is just a different cat, <laughs> especially coming from Pensacola, Florida. And you have the opportunity to be in California. Most times you're going to be out uh, perusing the, the town, seeing what's going on or hanging out with the fellas. But that's just the way he was, the type of guy he is. And there's no coincidence that he decided to stay in school to graduate. Um, and he'll have a great year. And hopefully, uh, you know, he'll get an opportunity to be a first-round pick, which, you know, I think he will be uh, if he stays healthy. Uh, but he's just a good cat. Uh, he, he's, he, his head is on straight. Um, his priorities in the right right order. And, you know, I was grateful that I had an opportunity to coach him. And, you know, he's matured. You know, just like we all do. But he was a man back then. But I look forward to seeing him compete. I know he's at Alabama, but I support everybody, especially the guys that I coach. Um, and the people I like, I'll support them, regardless of where they go um, to school. Let me, uh, real quick, I know, I know, uh, Jason's down here. He actually has to get up around 4 a.m. to go to work in the morning. So before we introduce our, our guy down here, Lonnie, real quick, let me get Jason's record prediction real quick before we let him go. I I, th- I think Florida State has the talent to be an 8-3 and three team. I'm gonna, I, I agree a little bit with what Brian McFadden was saying earlier. You know, I think 8-3 would be great. We'd all be, we'd all be so happy if Florida State won those eight games. I think if we're going to be realistic, objective, probably 7-4 and four would be better. I think there's the four definite wins are Georgia Tech, uh, Jacksonville State. I think Pitt's a definite win, and I think Duke is a definite win. I think Notre Dame and Clemson are definite losses, uh, you know. But I think it's all about winning those games that in the past couple of years, dating back to, you know, I see Freddie Starman brand bad memories, Georgia Tech game in the 2015 season. You know, that that's a game we shouldn't have lost. You know, last year, Wake Forest, we shouldn't have lost that game. Boise State, we shouldn't have lost that game. So it's going to be about winning those games that we should we should win, doing what we're supposed to do, doing your job. So I think I'm just going to be the the, the biased, garning gold, wearing glasses guy. I'm going to say 8-3. and three. I think we lose to Notre Dame. I think we lose to Clemson. And I think we lose to Louisville. I think Louisville will be the game that we probably have a shot of winning, but we end up losing. So 8-3 on the season. Awesome. Sweet deal. TJ, do you want to lead us in? Jason, appreciate you, man. I'll see you on Tuesday night. To uh, We're going to recap the Georgia Tech game, and then we'll head into a bye week on the on Mark Rogers' show. So appreciate you always, man. Thank I'm a big fan when we get this back up to two fullbacks as opposed to just having one, one on. So um, Freddie's been on with us the whole time, and here comes Lonnie Pryor from Okeechobee, Florida. How's it going, man? Where are you laughing all the way up here? Can you all hear me? Yeah. yeah. Oh, let's go. Roddy, <laughs> <laughs> what are you looking forward to this year, bro? At dinner with my boss. So I'm, I'm literally in my car. And I feel bad because I don't have any FSU stuff on. But my <laughs> boss is in Jacksonville. We got to go to Palaka tomorrow. So, anyways, but hey, I'm here in my car. Hopefully, y'all can see me in here, but I'm here. Hey, thanks for coming. Like... Uh oh. I think Nate. No, I'm there you are. Say that Appreciate again. It. I think you disrupted. Say it again, Nate. 
I said thanks for coming on, Lonnie. Oh, appreciate man. it. It's been a while. I'm sorry. It's been I got a while. Late. I've just been. Hey, it's all right, man. Work is uh, work is starting to come back. I've been off for so long, so now I'm back into working. So everything's good, though. Can't complain. Yeah. When you- I-, I-, I wanted to ask, you know, the former players, you know, we were talking about Blackman in the back and forth that's been kind of, you know, with, with Hornybrook last year and then the debate with, with uh, Francois and should DeAndre be the quarterback and now should be Blackman, you know. I mean, how, how how much does that back and forth kind of have a have an impact on the team and, and, and what what you're trying to do on, on offense? Well, I'm a, I'm a big I'm a big fan of Blackman. Uh, he's from my area, so I'm from Okeechobee. He's from the Muck, so he's about 40 minutes from me. So I've always been a fan of Blackman, but I think that whole switching back and forth it's uh it's just kind of hard to like if you look at any you know, national championship team or any team that's great, it starts with the quarterback. So, you know, if you look at the Patriots or whatever case in be is like, you don't have switching quarterbacks. You have your quarterback's your leader. So uh, I think that's the last year with the Horny Book switching, which is, I understand what they're kind of doing, but I think you need that one guy that when something's bad or if you're going through something, you need that one guy to pull you through. And, uh, you know, I think Blackman, this is his year. Um, I'm excited for him. I've always been a fan of him. So I think hopefully in this system, um, with everything going, I think I think this could be his year. He has the longest time there. And um, I think mm-hmm. he's, he needs this year. So I'm excited for him this year. I, I, I think he needs this for for what's coming in the future. And, and how Norvell's recruited the position uh, in 2020 and moving forward in 2021 and the guys that he has coming in. I think if Vladman wants to secure his position with this uh, program moving forward, he needs to uh, play this year, you know, w- with his hair on fire a little bit. And I think he can. Uh, you just got to look. If you look, he's been through, you know, two different coaches and, um, like I said, I hope this is his year. Um, like I said, I've always been a friend, uh, a fan of him. So mm-hmm. hopefully, I think, um, uh, hopefully he can do it. So I, I, you know, if I had to bet or if I had to pick one quarterback in, I'm starting Blackman. If I was a coach, that's that's the guy I'm going with. So hopefully he can um, lead this team to, you know, bring Florida State back where he's been because it's, it's been tough to watch these past years. So hopefully he can get us back or at least in the starting direction to back where. You know, Florida, you know, where Florida State should be and where it always been. You know what I mean? I want to introduce real quick Steve Pointer. He joined us here at the bottom. We've had so many people coming in and out. That's just a whole wave of a round table. That's the best part about it. The good conversations. But welcome, Steve. He's from Unconquered Talk. That's Nate's man over there. You guys should go listen to that podcast when you get a chance. But what's going on, Steve? How, how you feeling? Are you excited about the game coming up? What's the vibes feeling for you right now? Yeah, I'm very excited. You know, uh, couple weeks ago I wasn't uh expecting us to actually even play a game so now that we're you know a couple days out and it looks like we're actually going to play I'm very excited and you know I I'm excited that we actually have an opponent that we should beat and you know for the first time in four years have a uh, a win to start off against a power five opponent you know we haven't you know I think 2016 was the last time we beat our first power five opponent so to actually be able to start out one and oh in the against a power five or one and oh period is is a blessing. So I'm very excited for that. Absolutely. Thank you guys for having me on. Most certainly, most certainly. We're in about 9.13 right now, so we've got about 45 minutes or maybe more 
than that. If you're on Facebook or Twitter, feel free to retweet and share and get all your friends and family in here. We got still a good load of guests still coming in here, I think, and now that's about to join us is Brendan Sinon from 247 Sports. Also, Everett Dawkins, Formula One, one of my favorites, actually coming in here. Still got Charlie Ward, Lonnie Pryor, Peej in here. Who's, so we got to get his record prediction coming up next. Um, and I, that might be a good thing to lead into. Peej. You're a big troll for the Miami fans and the Florida fans. You take care of that on Twitter for everybody. You take care of that so then we can just <laughs> analyze and talk and write articles and podcasts. You take care of the Miami fans and UF fans. But give me – I, I want to know your record prediction heading into this uh, heading into this season under Norvell. 2019, uh, my record prediction was 12-0. and 0. <laughs> <laughs> That's nothing shocking. God almighty. Oh. 2000, excuse me, 15 and 0. 2018, my record prediction was 15 and 0. Okay. Uh, and every year back, that's my prediction. We're going to go undefeated. You know, why not? We're Florida State. Um, yeah. However, I've also been to the last three home openers uh, Alabama and Atlanta, um, Virginia Tech and Tallahassee, and then yeah. Boise State and Tallahassee. I've been to the last three. I am not going to be at the home opener this year, so I think we're going to win. Um, I don't. I, I, and I'm. And I'm. You know. I'm, I'm happy to make that sacrifice. But um, if I was a betting man, um, my record prediction would probably fall in between seven and four and eight and three, seven and a half. I'd probably take the over just because uh, I'm a little bit biased. Um, but I'm not a betting man, so I'm going to say 11 and 0. <laughs> I love it. Starting with Georgia Tech. Uh, no, no surprise there from Peach. Ever, ever. I love it. Freddie, we've had you on a little bit. What we we talked about on on the podcast on on our show, Double Fries No Salt. What uh, have you changed your prediction? Are you still feeling good about what you had? What, what are you thinking? Yeah, um, before the season, I said eight and three. Um, I'm sticking with that, but like um, B-Mac was saying earlier, the Miami game is going to dictate a lot because um, we haven't had a team in the past few years that believed in their coach and felt like they can go out and win games. So this Miami game, if they win that game, they're going into the rest of the year with confidence. But also if they lose it on the flip side, this is not a team that's thinking back to the past few years, taking those L's and now they're questioning everything. So that's going to dictate a lot. If they win that game, I'm 8-3. But if they lose it, we can be looking at 7-4, and 6-5. Mm-hmm. Nate, I know you have us winning uh, the Miami game, and that's kind of the one game that I know a lot of people talk about is like the I mean, Clemson-Notre Dame, we know what we're getting there. The rest of the games we feel good about. So if, if you've got us winning Miami, what's the next game outside of Clemson-Notre Dame that you feel like is a potential trap for Florida State, is a game that – could come up and surprise FSU. Like what's the next game outside of those big two that you're most worried about? North Carolina for me, uh, mainly because of that offense. Um, I, I, I'm a big Sam Howell fan. Uh, what he did last year, uh, you know, going for almost 4,000 yards, 37 touchdowns, only seven interceptions, I believe. Uh, they, they return a lot of, of, uh, of firepower on that offense, 2,000 yard receivers to 1,000 yard rusher and one, one guy that was over 900. So, um, uh, you know, they played a lot of close games. Uh, they played nine games that were, were one-score games. Um, so they only won three of those, and, and some of that's luck. Uh, I, I just think that uh, Mike Brown's recruited well. Uh, you know, his 2021 class is definitely um, one of the best in the country, especially on defense. Um, 
uh, I think that's going to be more of a high scoring game. Um, for, for, for me, uh, I look at Carolina, I look at Pitt mainly because of that defense. I think is going to be a really uh, tough game for, for Florida State. You know, Narduzzi has a that program. Yeah, they were horrible on offense last year, but their defense was number one in the country in sacks. Um, you know, they have an NFL defensive line. They have two very good safeties uh, on the back end. So I think that's going to be a tough game too for, you know, for me. I, I know Steve and I kind of feel the same thoughts. Absolutely. Before we move on, I want to introduce, we've got two more uh, in. Brendan Sinon from 24 Knowles 247 Sports grinds his ass off over there. I've actually never been able to meet him, so glad that we're going to do it through Zoom. But welcome in. Brendan, what's going on, man? Thanks for having me. This is an honor. Uh, I appreciate you guys inviting me in after uh, Josh Newberg and Chris Nee and even Zach Blostein. Nah. All <laughs> Happy to be fourth in line for you guys. Hey, per- <laughs> per- we tried to get we tried to get Will Pong too, so you were actually fifth. Right? Yeah, That's you're fifth. That makes sense. <laughs> That's all TJ. That wasn't me. That's all TJ. That's not me. I promise. And then one of my favorite former Knowles when I was little, I always waited outside of the statue for Everett Dawkins. So it's a privilege to have him on here. Everett Dawkins, one of the uh, nastiest I, I love the defensive lineman for florida state coming in here what's going on man what's going on edop ain't much man just taking it easy fellas glad to be a part of this podcast man around some nose you know lonnie's smiling up here hey, boy, yeah lonnie got something funny to say bro. Don't, don't listen to lonnie <laughs> i already know he got something funny to say don't pay him no attention <laughs> hey bro, i was gonna fire you you look good it's still quarantine out here, bro, so the barbershop's closed down, man. Hey, got to do what I got to do. I'll find my guy out to you. Yeah, no, nah, I don't want your guy. I don't want your guy, bro. I'll send your headline a couple oh, times. My guy's nice, though. You got your hat on, too. I want to lead us into, you know, we've talked a little bit of offense. we talked about quarterback for a good while now, but let's talk about this defense because – the talent on paper is, is absolutely ridiculous. Um, and, and different position groups, obviously, linebacker is still a work in progress, but you're, you're supposed to feel hopeful under Chris Marv, and you're seeing some development from Coach Storms bringing these linebackers actually looking like linebackers, not DBs. But, Charlie, if you want to start us off on, on discussing about this, this defense and everybody can give their takes, what do you feel uh, about the defense as a whole? Adam Fuller comes in from Memphis. Uh, things were working up there. What are you feeling like right now, heading into the season? Um, well, just like any championship quality team, uh, it starts with the defense. And I think that gives us a great chance to win every game. Uh, when you, regardless of who you're playing, if you have a top-ranked defense, as far as talent is concerned, and I know schematically they're, they're a big sound, um, and from what I've heard in practice and just talking to some of the coaches, um, I, I do believe that they'll give us a chance to win every game. And so that was the reason why I shared, you know, if offensively we can just put some things together to put some points on the board, uh, manage, manage the game well, and then our defense will be able to, uh, you know, take over the game. Uh, and so I guess I hope they don't let me down <laughs> the first game, uh, you know, but I do believe uh, we, we have a, a lot of talent. Uh, we talk about the, we know the front, the front four, um, pretty good, pretty good, pretty good group there. Uh, but I think the surprise is going to be the linebackers. 
um, you know, with with the young, they got they got a good mix. Well, I got one thing to say. Of uh, old guys, older Florida guys. State, if we gonna uh, do it, then some younger we guys do it big, that they have, that they're very high on. So I think that's going to be very very important just for depth, per, uh, from depth standpoint. Uh, but I think the key is going to be our back end uh, because the front seven will definitely put pressure on. But we got to be able to hold up on the back end, which I do believe we have enough guys back there with the transfers uh, coming in, and then the guys we've had that we have that we have we've had in the past uh, filling in. I just do believe our defense will be really really solid, and it gives us a chance to win every game. Dawkins, how are you feeling about Marvin Wilson? Good. That whole defensive <laughs> line. <laughs> yeah, as a D lineman, I'm feeling good because, uh, I mean, we have it. We have everything we need. We're stacked on the D line. Uh, my big thing is we have a lot of – the guys are bigger than they used to be. So, well, I got one uh, thing to say. of course, we may have had a little bit and more energy State, back in our day. But if now, gonna... uh, if we can get those guys off the field, man, and not have them out there – all day, like I saw it, even these past couple of years, everybody's been able to see it. The D-line has been there. Defense is there. But, you know, when you got them kids out on the field for all these plays, man, I don't know nobody that's going to make it through it. You know what I mean? And when it gets later in the game, it kind of shows, you know, the mistakes start happening and coming in. So I- I'm feeling good about the defense, man. And I'm feeling good about what, what uh, Coach Norvell has brought in on the offensive side to help these guys out, man. So really, I, I think, man. I just want to win. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm just, <laughs> I can't enjoy football right now. You know what I mean? So, and I'm pretty sure it's the same way with everybody else, former players and even fans. Like, it's it's not fun watching, you know, your team not do good. So, man, I'm I'm really expecting a lot out of the D-line, especially. And uh, see where everybody else is at. I agree. This, D, this D-line is nasty. I mean, it's ridiculous. Yeah. They're, they're big, man, but it's just they can't be on the field all day. You know what yeah. I mean? If they if they're on the field all day, you're not gonna get what you expect out of them. You know what I mean? It's it's hard. It's hot. You know what I mean? Just coming from a D lineman, anybody will tell you. But those long drives all game, it's 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 a killer. I agree. For Brendan and Steve, I got a question for y'all. Obviously, we have transfers galore, which is gonna be one of the most exciting things to see because we haven't even had a spring game to look at. But with Jerry and Jones, who obviously is going to play a lot, expected to be a starter. Also now, you've got Lovett, too, that's going to help on the uh, D-line. Uh, Miko Dotson, too, who led the country last season in interception. Give me your thoughts on those transfers helping out that defensive side of the ball. Steve, do you want to go first? Gentlemen first. Gentlemen, okay. All right. <laughs> oh, so, yeah, it's, you know, you look at Jones, and he was probably of the – transfers we got he was probably the least heralded um you know a lot of people made a lot of love it coming in and was he going to be able to steal some time away from cooper and obviously like you said dotson led the country in interceptions last year but now you look at the depth chart that come out dotson's essentially third down there you know or he's or with akeem dent behind jones so you know jones is starting and love it's sitting behind Cooper, but adding that extra little bit of depth, you know, especially with Lovett on that defensive line, as, as uh, Edoc was just talking about, now you have two really some, you know, three deep at defensive tackle. So even if the offense line and the offense isn't able to sustain drives, now you have that depth there to where 
they're able to get off the field more and you don't lose as much. Who else can say they have a second string defensive tackle of Corey Durden and Fabian Lovett, both who might be playing in the NFL in two years. How many teams can say that? Not many. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, maybe Alabama can say that Clemson might be able to say that, you know, but outside of that, you don't have that, you know, and then you even have some really talented young guys in the third string. True Thompson played as a true freshman last year and did surprisingly well for a true freshman at the nose tackle. Uh, you got Malcolm Ray, you got, you know, some of those other guys who can come in and get even more reps. So that's, it's really key to have that kind of depth, especially when the offense is going to take a little bit of time to gel, you know, they're coming into a, a new scheme, new coaching and a few new players. So, you know, even with the best of coaching, we have that transition. There's always going to be a little bit there that to where it takes them to catch up. So, you know, which as a side note, that's why I really question Miami and uh, how good their offense is doing in the spring right now and destroying that defense. I don't look at that as, oh, their offense is going to be amazing. I look at that as something's wrong with their defense. But, uh, you know, and then in the secondary, I think uh, they said like he's never um, seen anything like this. Uh, You know, the defensive back coach that he's never seen this much talent, you know, we're really three deep, three guys, you know, at corner and safety who would pretty much start or play for just about any other team. So that's really key. And then, you know, Charlie, you know, talked about it earlier too, about the linebackers being real key. It's probably the best linebacker group we've had since 2013. And that's, it's, which isn't saying a whole lot, but it adds, just adds that much more to where, you know, if we get, Josh and Denarius able to put some heat on the um, passer and passing situations from that defensive end spot. If we can get that pass rush, it can be an elite defense and it'll really hold us in just about every single game. Mm. So, you know, it's getting those transfers, you know, to your question is very key to adding that extra depth. Could we, our defense have been a good defense without those guys? Certainly. But adding that extra depth and that extra talent is just huge. It's huge. Right. So, yeah. I agree. I agree with that because we rotated a lot when I played. So, yeah, you might get one series and it's off the field. As a player, you hate it. But for the reason you just said, it makes sense, especially when you're dealing with the offense. So I agree. And to Steve's point, if you look at the depth, that defensive tackle and what Fabian Lovett brings you, like just as an instant impact guy. So he's number two on the depth chart. How many teams in college football would kill for Corey Durden and Fabian Lovett to be their starting defensive tackles? And that's FSU's backups. I mean, it's it's a good problem to have. And regarding the transfers that FSU brought in on defense, so I like that I think they hit on every single one of those guys. They're all going to contribute in some capacity or another. They all elevate the floor in their respective position groups. So Jerry and Jones likely going to start, and, and Nico Dotson probably going to be the starting nickelback when you go to five uh, – five defensive backs and then obviously Fabian Lovett seems to be the truth as well like he's going to be a building block for this defense for the next couple of years after Marvin Wilson leaves so that also alleviates some pressure on Odell Hagens and and what he's doing with that uh, the defensive tackle room and, and not having to put so much emphasis on getting a blue chip defensive tackle in this year's recruiting class it kind of gives you a little bit of, of wiggle room there so and even uh, Dante Williams from Baylor too he's another guy that people don't talk about a lot he's an FSU legacy I think he helps out with the depth at defensive end as well. So all those guys are going to contribute and really bolster the entire defensive, every single position group. Like you're getting someone to kind of help out with the depth a little bit. I, I think that's valuable and that's important. And, and those guys all bring con, uh, 
competitiveness too to the to the defense. So, uh, good job by Mike Norvell in the uh, the first uh, the first use of of bringing in grad transfer. So it was nicely done. Charlie, Lonnie, we've had you on you guys on a little while. You're welcome to hang out as long as you want, but if if you need to get going, I mean, you certainly can any time. But why don't you guys both give us a, a record prediction before then? Uh, I'll go first since my boss here. Uh-oh. Lonnie, I think your hand might be covering up the audio. Hold on. There we go. Yeah, you're good uh, now again. Eight and three. Um, like Freddie said, that Miami game is kind of tough. But I think, like he's, I think eight and three, I mean, you got Clemson, which is it's Clemson's going to be tough. Uh, Louisville, Notre Dame. So I say eight and three. Uh, but um, like I say, at the end of the day, I'm excited for this year. Uh, I know my liver needs a good year. Nah. Uh, yeah. I'm right there day. with you. Uh, they have been very, very successful. <laughs> and uh, my liver knows that FSU plays this Saturday. So uh, I think eight and three. And, um, you know, and I think that's great. Uh, you know, hopefully we – I think this first game, if we get that first win, I think everything else is just flow. Once you start winning games and doing different things like that, I think everything is flow. So um, I'm excited for this year. Like I said, um, defensively, I think we're going to be great. Uh, like I said, I think it comes down – it all comes down to the team and what they build. But I'm very excited to see Blackman this year. The, uh, like I said, I'm his biggest fan. So I can't wait to see him and uh, just to see where he's have learned from last year to this year. So I'm excited for this year. And like I said, if I had a predict a season, I'd say 8-3 say for this year, which I'm perfectly fine with. Mm-hmm. If we can win more, perfect. If not, you know, it is what it is. I worry about your liver a little bit in a good year, too, because I remember tailgating in Atlanta with you during the good season. <laughs> well, I don't know if a good year is good for you either, but. Um... That was not Lonnie Pryor you were tailgating. <laughs> yeah, that was not him. Not me you were taking, you were hanging out with. But that was definitely a great. And we lost. I remember, oh, that game there is so bad. Anyway. No, I don't want to talk about yeah. it. Appreciate you, man. Y'all take care. Go nose. Go nose, man. All right. Charlie. Charlie, what what about you, bud? Well, I guess I'm gonna be on the optimistic side. Oh. Uh I, I would say eight and three. Uh, as well, but uh, if we can get to a point where we're we're rolling, I would say nine and two. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. You know, I, I mean, people are saying Notre Dame. I don't know. Maybe I don't know what you know what what's different about Notre Dame this year um, as opposed to last year. Um, I know they have the end book, but they lost their best receiver. Um, and I'm not sure what they have from the defensive standpoint, uh, but I, I just believe that we have what it takes to uh, beat anyone, you know, even Clemson. And people are like, well, man, that's just that's just going a little bit too overboard. But I just think we have the athletes, and now that we have a coaching staff that everyone believes in um, and the stability that we have, they'll give us a chance to win every game. Um, with the defense we have offensively, of course, this is bar no injuries. Defensively or offensively, 
but I just think we can go uh, eight and three um, or nine and four. I'm nine and two. Um, you know, if we can catch the right, you know, win, win some close games. I think that's pretty solid. We talked about it on our podcast too, Charlie. And also you're on double fives, no slaw. And I think eight and three is a very optimistic, but also not too crazy thought because, you know, there's some teams that Florida state could have beaten last in the last couple of seasons, but simple, silly mistakes and doing stupid things that causing them trouble is what made Florida State lose some of those. So I, I think eight and three uh, is a solid pick. Nine and two, though, that I think you might be the first person on here this evening that has predicted that, right, TJ Nate? I believe. That's a little down from Peach's prediction, but oh I'm yeah, still yeah, that <laughs> is true. That is true. <laughs> Pretty solid. <laughs> that is true. Oh my, but yes, Charlie, definitely appreciate you as always. Get, go get, go home and get some rest. I see you're still in the office. Oh yeah, I, made, I didn't make it home yet. Yeah, tell the family, said hey, and as always, really appreciate you coming on here um, and hope the family stays safe too. All right, my pleasure. Go Knowles. Yes, go Knowles. Go Knowles. Let's see, I haven't been able to introduce C.J. Wilson down here. This is one of Nate's guys, the Steve's guy from Unconquered Talk. I've actually never even been able to meet him through any kind of conversations when I just through Twitter we've known each other for a while. What's going on, CJ? What's going on, man? Uh oh. Guys, how you doing? Doing great, doing great. We just can you got hear me? Yep, I can hear you now. Can you hear us? Yeah, pretty good. Beautiful, beautiful. Yeah, we just got done. We're got Charlie's record prediction. We were talking defense um earlier and, and I think well, now we have another one. Let's introduce this one, too. I don't know if anybody knows this guy, though. I've actually never been able to meet him verbally either. But Trey Roland, formerly the Roll Cast. What's going on? What's going on, man? Hello, Rob. How you doing, bro? How's it hanging? <laughs> I'm just out here in a frat house. I'm just in my frat house. I know. can tell. There's no, like, literally no decorations anywhere. It looks well, like a prison cell. I a very tasteful prison cell. Trey, I have my decorations. Don't worry about it. <laughs> oh, Maddie oh, well, oh, Ice, you are a psychopath. Wow, well, I'm a psychopath. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in college. Also, this is all because of Willie Taggart. That's all. That, that's the blame right there. Oh, all right. Well, <laughs> add it to his buyout. You need to graduate to Bourbon, man. Bourbon. Yeah. 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 So what's the deal? Can I say whatever I want? Did like Travis Johnson already like ruin your explicit rating? No. <laughs> We're we're screwed now. This might be our first and last time ever doing this. So no, that's okay. Well, it's all right. The steam panel. We're TJ, past- where's my where's my bro Richie? Where's our Barnes at? Richie had a uh, fantasy draft. He crapped out on us about halfway through. Yeah. Disgusting. Lack of commitment. Not surprised. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing new from him. <laughs> Nothing new. So I want to lead us into a conversation. We just got to talk a little bit of defense. But let's jump in. Let's give our predictions who will be the breakout player for FSU this upcoming season. It could be offense, defense. But see if you can just pick one. You can pick one on offense and defense, too. But uh, who's going to be a breakout player for FSU under Mike Norvell? I think that's a no-brainer. Who do you have? Go ahead, CJ. Go ahead. Yeah, I think that's a no-brainer. I mean, it got it has to be Travis J, right? Okay, okay, taking that one off yeah. the board. I believe. Yeah, I mean, how deep your voice is. That is a <laughs> sultry voice you have. <laughs> <laughs> you say whatever you want. I'm a. I agree. 
Hey Trey, I'm 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 equally impressed with your mustache, man. That's that's a real strong stash you got going on, man. It's kind Thanks, of intimidating. A lot of lot of bargaining with the misses, but uh I won this battle. <laughs> <laughs> Who you got, Dawkins? Who you got? Can a breakout player be someone that's already been playing? Yep, 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 yeah. Well, honestly, I'm not going to lie to you. If, as long as the old line plays like it's supposed to be, I don't see why a black man can't be, like, amazing. Oh, like okay. Solid pick there. Why, why, yeah. you, think, you think he, under Dillingham and Norvell, is going to actually make a, a move? It's Honestly, man, we've been seeing him get hit so much over the years, bro, like, who could like he's got beat like no other quarterback that I've seen in Florida State you know what I mean like it wasn't even that bad when I first got there so I just got to give him the I I feel like he can be great because we saw those strides but you know also we saw him get hit upside the head 30 times in the game you know what I mean so yeah I think black men can especially with the athletes that we got there now you know we've always had athletes but if the old line can hold up man I think we can do great we can do anything honestly Page, what do you have up there? I think on the uh, flip end for a black man, and, and uh, my bad. I just want to add on something real quick. The black man on the flip end, mm-hmm. um, he hasn't had proper coaching either. Um, the best coaching he's had is um, what the, his freshman year of Jimbo, and Jimbo is halfway checked out anyways. He hasn't had a real QB coach in regards to you know how the game is played. You know, we, we all know in regards to um, uh, browse browse. His 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 playbook was his playbook. His coaching wasn't wasn't a strong suit. He just really you know didn't really go with the floor of the game. He just called plays how he seemed fit in regards to um the playbook and that and that shows you know we play Boise State, Louisiana Monroe. We get out to these big leads and the offense just goes into these massive funks. So I believe um Blackman having an actual quarterback coach and a coach um who could coach him through progressions and things of that nature um who's as detailed as Jimbo um that's going to help him a long way also. Agree. Peach, what you got? My top two answers were tr- were obvious to me, Travis J and James Blackman. Um, but I'll I'll change it up a little bit. Uh I'm not gonna say breakout first first round pick type of breakout year, but uh I think at the end of the year we look at it and we say Darius Washington helped this offense. Darius Washington was a big big part of our success, you know, if we have success. Yeah. Um, I think he's a solid, you know, I think we got some solid young pieces, Maurice, Maurice Smith and Dante Lucas, but I think there's Washington, probably the only tackle on the, on the roster. So I hope he is. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> Steven Brennan, who do you guys have as a breakout uh, play? Also Trey, and then I'll get the mark here in a little bit and introduce him. Hey, can I just say I'm a little intimidated of CJ's voice as well. It's very manly compared to mine. I am not, however, correct. Brandon. By... Yes, it is. Yes, it is. I am not. I was going to say, Trey, I'm not intimidated by your mustache. However, it looks like it's actually growing out of your nose, which is something in and of itself. Thank you for analyzing my nostrils, Brendan. Give give us your terrible prediction now. <laughs> Trey looks like Trey looks like one of those Snapchat filters. We're like, all right, 1970. Yeah. <laughs> watching a documentary. disgusting 70s 70s caricature filter (laughs) mixed between cop and porn stash like (laughs) that's what i was going for (laughs) (laughs) right (laughs) let's see so on offense uh 
I'm going to go Cam McDonald as a breakout player at tight end just because of how Mike Norvell utilizes his tight ends and he's the only really viable scholarship. I guess White Rector is a scholarship tight end now as well, but but Cam McDonald is going to be the guy who's going to run with the ones. He's going to probably get uh, four or five targets a game. He has 45 or so receiving yards in his entire career, so I think he'll easily get to 300 or so uh, receiving yards this season. He'll be a, a nice part of the offense on defense. Can I say Joshua Kando? Cause he really that hasn't had, I'm, yeah. I'm all, I'm all aboard the Joshua Kando hype right now. I'm, I'm all on, I'm all on board with Joshua Kando. He has been uh, lights out in the preseason camp apparently. And, and this is something like we could say FSU's offensive line still has issues, which, which they, they clearly do. Uh, but it's not, this isn't something that Kando has done in previous camps. He's never dominated like how he has before he's engaged. He's coming off of a uh, the most serious of, of many injuries he's had, but he's coming off the most serious one he's ever had. Uh, and he just seems like he's kind of putting it all together right in time for him to get some attention from, from NFL scouts. Uh, were those predictions fine for you, Trey? Was that okay? Eh, what I expected. <laughs> yeah, Cam was a really big one. Thunder, bro. Still with thunder. <laughs> Trey, who do you have as, as being a breakout uh, a player for FSU? Ah, oh, so many, so many to name. Uh, I like Jay Sean Corbin. That's going to be interesting. Uh, the speed at which he rehabbed from uh, from that, I think that hamstring injury at Texas A&M. Uh, he's going to be a contributor both, obviously, on the offensive side of the ball and at kick returner. Something that it's something that Norvell is going to scheme up uh, real nice. So that's going to be interesting. I don't know if he's going to. He's going to be one of my breakouts. I kind of think that that room is going to be a little bit more uh, by committee than maybe I previously thought before I started seeing some of the the practice film. You're going to have the uh, the JUCO kid Webb is going to be kind of like a workhorse for you. Uh, then I think the freshmen are going to get a, a pretty like a glut of carries. Toa Feely, Ren, Jakai. So Corbin's going to be somebody just almost by default just because he hasn't done much yet in his college career. It's going to be a breakout. I really think a kid that's going to distinguish himself and by way of the two deep that already came out that already has is Jerry and Jones. That's a cornerback. That's a guy that I know the fan base was excited in a way to land that transfer, but it almost felt like it was a package deal uh, with the, when Fabian Lovett came over. That's where all the hype was focused on all the attention, obviously with defensive tackle recruiting, how that's been. I don't know if that's a, well, Pandora's box you guys want to get into, but obviously a lot of the eyes were on Fabian Lovett. But then you have Jerry and Jones starting the starting corner on the other side, opposite Asante Samuel, uh, is always on like the hashtag mission takeaway turnover or whatever tomfoolery we have to get our guys to like play hard that uh, all those graphics that came out. Um, but an impressive kid at Mississippi State, and I think that one that's going to uh, – He's gonna he's gonna make an impact in a very loaded secondary. So the fact that he's already had a great camp, already distinguished himself, top of the two deep, which is which is no easy feat considering all the athletes that they got back there. So Jayshon Corbin, Jerry and Jones, two Agreed. guys that transferred from the SEC to Florida State. I like it. I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and agree with uh Brendan that he told he stole my thunder with uh Kane Doe. I'm I'm not typically one who buys into a lot of the coaches hype you know they every preseason they always got guys they just they go to town on oh this guy they praise him they praise him they praise him and typically I don't buy that but when you start seeing the offensive coaches start praising defensive uh, guys that's when I start to look a little bit and I you know I think he could potentially have a you know 
double digit sack season and uh, really turn that defense into an elite defense. So um, Kane Doe is my guy. That's my breakout guy. Okay. I like the Jerry and Jones pick for sure. I mean, we heard a lot of good things about him even when camp was going on really early on. Uh, and now it seems, you know, be a starter uh, against Georgia Tech. And I'm, I'm excited to see him play. You know, it created yep. really good competition for that DB room, too. I mean, oh, yeah. bringing in two good cats with Dotson and Jones, that kind of wakes up your DB room. You know, one guy I know is talking about is Renardo Green. Mm-hmm. Yeah, true. You know? Uh, Brownlee yeah. also. And, and, you know, Renardo Green played last year as a freshman, you know, came in, beat out a bunch of guys who were supposed to be better than him and, and, and played – as a second string guy and now now he's pushing for you know a starter at safety so you know, no one's talking about him and you talk about loaded secondary and look at Brownlee's emerge in camp so you know my, my breakout is Travis J but I'm also going to look at Renardo Green and what he's been able to do I like that also do you have a birthday party tonight I see balloons in the background no, uh, that, that is for my uh my youngest she just turned eight, so you know th- th- that, oh, that's a strong helium, man. Happy birthday! That, that is happy that's birthday. high quality. That's high yes. quality gas. Not yeah, easy. man. You know, <laughs> safety's much improved this year, yeah, Florida yeah, State. Yeah, the, the the dollar store helium is, is legit. <laughs> it oh, is a real deal. Yeah. Absolutely, with the quality. Yep. Yeah. Let me let me introduce down here. This is our last uh, guest on here tonight, and this is going to be the last about fifteen minutes or so. But Mark Rogers. I've been doing this show with him since last year. We do it every Tuesday night with Jason Parker, but uh, he's got a phenomenal YouTube show. He covers about every team, and it's growing quicker, but we've been covering Florida State together on a nightly show, and I want to welcome you now onto ours. What's going on, Mark? Not too much. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yes, you've been having shows since, what, this morning? About, like, what, four shows, five shows today? Yeah, Miami, Michigan. Sorry, I had to say that word. Miami, Michigan. Uh, Florida State with Logan at six, and then we just did a little ACC. Yeah, no, I'm. I you kill it. I'm happy to have you on here for our last little bit of the show. Um, I want to kind of jump into something here and kind of get a feel for maybe how this how this offense and and these skilled guys are going to be looking. So we've got wide receivers and the the depth chart just came out. Warren Thompson and Helton are your your two and three, but obviously Tamarion Terry. But Mark, what are your thoughts on Tamarion Terry and and what he can maybe bring, bring to this table? And and he has a good chance of of being early first rounder if he has has a solid season and him and Blackman can connect. Well, listening to a lot of the discussion and thinking about, what I want to see out of this team against Georgia Tech, the three things that came to mind, not to, to don't kill the new guy for taking this in a different direction than your, your, your question here totally, but <laughs> we know about, we know about Terry. We, we know what he can do. Uh, we know based on looking at the depth chart that was just released, who the, the two and three guys are going to be, but I want to see how they're going to play. I know what we got with Terry, but to see the second and third and fourth receivers on the field and see, because one guy can't get it done to, to win the kind of games that Florida state wants to win to, to win seven, eight, nine games this year, they're going to need a second, a third, maybe even a fourth receiver that are going to make plays. Are they going to high point the football? Are they going to outfight and be competitive against DBs? Are they going to gain separation, find the holes in zone coverage and be in sync with Blackman? So I'm really in this Georgia tech game, looking for the guys other than Terry to see how well they play and uh, 
Logan's been touting this defense, and I want to see if they play nasty. I know they're going to be good, but I want to see if they're really playing with an attitude. And then, of course, the offensive line. I'm going to be watching an offensive line unlike, you know, most you guys watch the offensive line, but people that just watch the games just to have a good time and watch a football game aren't watching the offensive line. But I'm going to be watching the offensive line because they should – dominance, a strong word, but they should – play a strong game against Georgia Tech if they've really improved here. Mm -hmm. We're all just a bunch of FSU homers, Mark. Uh, So i got to ask you, (laughs) I mean, tell us what's going to happen in this uh, Georgia Tech game. Spread said it, is it moved, did it move up to 12 and a half I see today? I mean, what do you, uh, what do you expect? You expect, I mean, I know it's tough with a new, new regime, new coach, new system. Um, Georgia Tech's not very good though, right? So what do you expect out of this game? So what I was hoping was I was going to jump on it when it was 10. Mm-hmm. So I, I failed to do that <laughs> because that's what I wanted is that thing to be around 10 and jump yeah. on Florida state because they, they should, they should win by 17 to 21 at least. Uh, Georgia tech had all sorts of issues transitioning from triple option to a pro style. And they still posted passing numbers in the passing game. Like they were a triple option team last year. It was that awful and just looking at their numbers across the board one of the two or three worst red zone offenses in the country least number of uh, explosive plays most three and outs offensively in the country so I was telling Logan earlier I'm like your your defense that you're telling me every week is going to be nasty they they better really build some (laughs) swag against Georgia Tech because they got to feel good about themselves after this game then going into that Pretty ridiculous. What Miami, North Carolina, Louisville, and somebody else goods in there. Notre Dame stretch Notre like Dame, four yeah. straight that are going to be tough. So, yeah, I, I think they've got a good 80, 85 percent chance. I put it at like 82 percent chance of winning this game. But yeah, they should cover the 10 or the 12. I we'll think. take it. I'll yeah. take that for sure. Any any win that's not like a absolute nail biter against a terrible team is, is very welcome. To <laughs> no um, yeah, uh, Steve, Brendan, Everett, we've had you guys on a long time. Again, you're welcome to stay through the completion, but let's get your record predictions. Um, we'll go in that order, and then again, you're welcome to stay through. Oh uh, yeah, if you need to go, you certainly can. I, I think I was the first name you named. So, um, you know, up until Charlie Ward went out with nine and two. Um, <laughs> you know, I was kind of Chuck did Chuck dropped a nine bomb and then left. Did. Oh. He did. He yeah, did. he said maybe. Uh, he said he might yeah, happen. Charlie. Charlie. I, um, Charlie. I was kind of you know right around with Vegas. You know, Vegas. I think the line is seven and a half, the uh, win total. And you know, I was kind of leaning between seven wins, eight wins. Uh, you know, after Charlie dropped that, I'm just gonna flat out say eight wins. Um, you know, eight and three. You know, get to a a bowl game, if there's a bowl season, maybe, you know, add a ninth win and uh, call it a day at nine and three and, uh, you know, really pick up the recruiting, you know, for the season and especially for 2022. Uh, but that's what I'm going with, nine and three, you know, lost to Clemson. And then, you know, we drop a, you know, game to like Notre Dame and maybe one other somewhere like a Louis, uh, Louisville or UNC, something like that. Yeah. Brennan? Uh, seven and four. Can I go now? <laughs> oh, okay, big league. Why don't you turn your hat the right side and buzz off? <laughs> what do you got to do? Listen to some weirdo ska music? Sorry, man. Get out of here. 
on the on the bench just surpassed its one millionth download. Yeah, okay, great. Uh, uh, <laughs> talk that talk, hats, bro. Talk that talk. Seven and four. I've kind of gone between pessimistically six and five to seven and four. I think this is a team with a winning record. I think they'd be well coached. The variable I do not know how to account for is. They had three practices in spring with Mike Norvell in a completely new offense, a completely new defense. This is all brand new. I don't know how that's going to look, especially like in the COVID era where you don't know if guys are going to be missing significant, you know, week or two at a time if they're quarantined, contact tracing. It's all sorts of stuff that we don't know. Um, but I think the talent is good at FSU, not FSU standards, but still, it's still good compared to most of the, the schedule that FSU is going to face. Uh, other than Clemson and Notre Dame, I think FSU should still be pretty high up in the composite uh, talent rankings that that 24-7 has. So a talented, well-coached team. I think uh, some deficiencies on the offensive line, still very bold, James Blackman, we don't know. But uh, I think good. I think a good team, so 7-4 is what I'm going to go with. Awesome. Nice, Brendan. Yeah, also, for... apologize to Everett Dockets for thinking you're more important than him, by the way. You should probably apologize. I thought it's I was second. Good, I was second. I'm so sorry, Mr. Good, Everett bro. Dawkins. I apologize. No, no problem, bro. Be a little different no on the field. <laughs> it's all good, man. Love you, Brendan. Bye, guys. See you, Brendan. Appreciate you. Thank you. Nice meeting you, all too. Right. So, uh, for me, now y'all might say I'm crazy, but, you know, oh, I feel like with a good defense, like, the sky's the limit, and that's always been the case, and uh, honestly, I don't, I don't like Clemson and Notre Dame never really lives up to the hype. <laughs> so I'm just going to say we, we, we got a chance to go all the way. I mean, Woo! why not? Woo! I love it. Woo! Why not? Now we're talking. I'm just saying, because I mean, Clemson lost a lot last year. Now I know they got a lot coming in, but we've had chances to beat Clemson. You feel me? Like I've seen it like multiple times, maybe not, you know, just here and there every year, but, uh, We've had chances, man, and I think if our D-line is what it's supposed to be, our secondary is stacked like it's supposed to be, you know, the linebackers, you know, but I think we can go. Like, why not? Yeah, no, I'm, I just – I'm not – I don't think the ACC is that tough for us not to be able to, you know what I mean? Of course, Clemson has always given us a problem, but I don't like Clemson, so I'll never say they're going to beat us. So, yeah, that's pretty much my take. I like it. <laughs> I like that. Finally, need someone to do it except for. I mean, yeah, because why not though? You know what I mean? If if everything is like it's supposed to be now, I'm not gonna lie. I said the same thing, but I'm pretty sure a lot of you other guys thought it was gonna be great with Willie Taggart, how Mm -hmm. everything was hyped up. But you know, I know some cats from Memphis, Mm -hmm. you know, that played there, and they speak highly of this coach and and just the way that they do things. You know what I mean? He's he knows how to get the running back, you know, free and. He's just – it's a different offense in the ACC, so I don't see why our offense, even being – I'm not going to say mediocre, or, you know, or, you know, they may not have re- reached their full potential yet this season, but, I mean, throwing those little trick plays and stuff in there, we can win games. And like you say, Georgia Tech, I- I'm taking the 12 all day. You know what I mean? Like, there's no – Georgia Tech is sorry. Now, if I lose my money that first game, then that I'm not messing <laughs> I'm not back. No more games. <laughs> we you know can't. I mean? We can't let you back on here. Then we can't let you back yeah, on here for next year. It's all good, bro. It's all good. I'm taking the 12 points, though, for sure. <laughs> I just, it's Georgia Tech, you know. And I still have the. I just have that mentality when it comes to Florida State all the time. Like, you know, that's why if we're doing bad, I don't. I can't watch the games. Like, mm-hmm. if we're doing bad, I, I mean, it's. I know you got. I try not to drink, so. I can't watch the game. You know what I mean? It's, just, it's, it's rough. So, 
Yeah, man. Oh, yeah, definitely. As you can tell, I did a really good job on this wall. I didn't really have to drink much, so your tiger didn't do me too bad. It's understandable, bro. Understandable. <laughs> but, hey, I appreciate you. Like I said, you can stay on. All of you guys can. Uh, just I know it's late and whatever you guys want to do, but we're just going to continue talking here and finish it off. We might go a little bit over here, but you know what? It's friggin' game week finally, so I'm – I'm excited. You see how I said friggin' there, Trey? I'm, I'm trying to keep it. That was it. good. Yeah, you pronounced it very, very forcefully. It was almost like an expletive. I'm proud of you. That, that was smooth. That was smooth. I want to I wanna get y'all's thoughts, too. And I think TJ also has a question here on the recruiting side because we really haven't touched too much on it, but we have some great recruiting insiders here. But I want to get quick thoughts, too, uh, on, and it kind of goes to Mark, too, and I told him I would ask him this, but – the difference between Willie Taggart and Norvell and what you expect to see with this team, because we talked about discipline at the earlier part of the show, Mark, but I think it's good to note too, you know, I think there's a better chemistry between this coaching staff than maybe what Willie Taggart had. Willie Taggart had problems with Walt Bell. Uh, he also had a little miscommunication and maybe some troubles in the locker room with Kendall Bryles and go uh, like on the way that they wanted to be. But what are your thoughts on what might be the big difference here between Taggart and, and Norvell? Yeah, so I'm the outsider that sits and watches college football for 14 or 15 hours on Saturday. So I'm watching the best games. Sure. But doing this with Logan and the guys for the last, what, 70 weeks, I made sure every Florida State game, even though you guys were a bit down last year, of course, so they weren't at the top of my viewing list. I was watching all the cutdowns, so I'm watching every play the entire season, is that – and just watching the games the year before as well, these two years uh, under Taggart, I was just astounded at the lack of, first of all, understanding what they were trying to do on offense. And also the seeing the mistakes made in week 10 and 11 that were being made in week one, not lining up correctly on offense, having to call timeouts, guys looking around, trying to figure out. Uh, it just – Man, I, I can think of very few teams across the country that were having the kind of problems that Florida State was having just routinely in terms of the stuff that Logan's talking about with discipline and assignments that I just think Mike Norvell is going to clean up, even though he's getting hit with the typical first-year challenges multiplied about 10 times because of the situation with no spring football, lack of communication and direct communication with the team for all that time until pretty much July and August. So regardless of what the record's going to be this year for Florida State, I give them a bit of a mulligan. You guys don't want to take another down season, I know, but I'm going to I'm going to be okay with just about anything this year out of Norvell or any first-year coach considering the circumstances for me. Yeah, anybody want to give any takes on that discipline on on what went down and maybe there yeah. might be a difference changer? Uh, it, it, yeah, that was that was uh, my bad. Yeah, that I agree with him on that because I that was terrible. You know what I mean? Like when you start, when people point fingers, stuff like that, that's coaching. Like, players should know where they're lining up. Like, I don't see – it was it was crazy, man. And that's why I said I couldn't watch it because it was just really, like, disgusting to watch sometimes, you know. But go ahead. Yeah, I just uh, had to say that. I, I was talking to a, uh, a, uh, a walk-on today, earlier today, and, and just kind of getting his feel of, of the team. Trey's a, nice, Trey's a nice guy. You don't have to call him that. No, no, no. I I gotta commend Trey for his uh for his uh Nation of Domination uh tweet. That was phenomenal. 
Thanks, man. Anytime I can work in a Farouk reference on games, yes, yes. do what I, mean, I can. That, that has to that has to be tied in somewhere. But um, you know, he he was talking about just the sheer difference in how Norval doesn't leave anything untouched when it comes to details, and, and you know, he he used the whole rain break and and how how he doesn't think that there's many teams of, if any at all that are going through the small details of what Norvell is doing. And I think that results in more, more discipline and everything that they're going to do uh, this year. You know, he's not going to allow um, the bullshit like, like the other staff has. Yeah. Oh, and I'd point to, I mean, I don't want to bring up a player, but we all know of one that was a starting <laughs> linebacker that it was, I mean, every week, something just stupid as a veteran doing something just stupid, stupid against, Wuss, uh, sissy. He's not opponent. there, so let's talk about Jackson. Let's just <laughs> not here anymore. Yeah, well, then you go over down, you go over to the sideline, and guess what happens? You get a little tap on the shoulder by Taggart, yeah. and you get a little tap on the helmet, and say, "Okay, let's just not do this again." And guess what happens next week, or what happens two drives later? It happens. Uh, it's it's, and these players when coming into Florida State, most of them were there for for Jimbo mm-hmm. Fisher, and during his prime there, Jimbo was strict. And then when you go to Willie Tiger, I think it was more of making friends. Obviously, this is button talked about enough. I don't want to run into the ground, but uh, I think with Norvell, well, though. Jackson was a Brewster recruit, okay? <laughs> Octavius Jackson was a Brewster recruit. Well, and oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say, if you guys wanted to move it from a different direction, because a little bit of different take on your on your premise, Logan, I don't know if there's – necessarily i mean you're going to see more personal discipline just because mm-hmm. the staff's more organized but i know one thing you're definitely going to see is more scheme discipline if you mm-hmm. kind of go back to the 2019 and the 2018 florida state teams what you saw was two sides of the ball that were basically like frankenstein schemes like franken schemes mm-hmm. you had willie taggart bringing an offensive coordinator that literally had zero knowledge of his offense you had like a walt bell a guy from the arkansas state blake anderson mold forced him into running a Bryles offense and the continuity was not there. It was not a well-coordinated offense between the layers, between the skill positions, between the tempo, between forcing a DeAndre Francois, he of the wonderful lipstick tattoo, but of terrible zone readability, get him to pull the ball. 2019, you fast forward and it's the same. You have continuity because Bryles and Taggart on the same page, however, you get into situations like Wake Forest, like who's really calling the plays, who's calling what, who's doing this, but you have disorganization from a scheme standpoint on the defensive side of the ball. You had Harlan Barnett, a career 4-3 Michigan State guy, placed into a burlap sack, beaten, uh, taken over by Jim Levitt until he ran a 3-4 that he had no idea how to run. So you had a team with a defensive line largely the same as the one that we're touting right now as one of the best in the country and one of the most porous run defenses I've ever seen. You had guys double gapping, going into the same gap. There was no gap discipline. There hasn't been discipline on special teams for three to four years. So with Norvell, you're going to have a fully coordinated defense. You're going to have defensive linemen where they need to be, linebackers filling them, a coordinated blitz. That'll be nice. That'll be fun. Um, a back end that's going to be playing in conjunction with the front end. You're going to have a special teams unit that is going to be staying in their lanes on like kickoffs and punt returns and having their assignments. <laughs> Eleven guys on the field. Shout out Alonzo <laughs> Hampton. That was a fun, that was a fun foray there. But 
so I think you're going to see a lot of scheme discipline. I don't know if you're going to see the, the, the personal discipline that you would traditionally point out to like less penalties. There may be less like pre-snap and formation penalties as Bud Elliott, Ingram Smith, they pointed out on the Noel cast. Memphis wasn't really a team that was one of the least penalized in the country. It's not a service academy, but then you don't really want to be. The best teams are kind of in the middle anyway. You want to have some of those right. penalties of aggression. Uh, you want to get away with what you can. So I think there's definitely going to be more scheme discipline. I don't know if you're necessarily going to see all of the the dumbass plays eliminated just because that kind of takes time. It's more of a cultural shift. But you're definitely going to see culture. A, yeah, you're definitely going to see. Yeah, right, that, that's the whole thing. <laughs> a, a coaching staff that wasn't plucked from like the random like plan B's and plan C's. It was all the guys that Norvell wanted. They've all worked together. They're all familiar with each other. And there's at least some sort of uh, thought consistency. Mm-hmm. And just uh, to piggyback on that, um, everything you just said, we still had an opportunity last year to win nine games. Sure. Yeah. Nine games had, on the table. Right. And then you also had some opportunity to lose. So like to the, lose some games. That's true, too. Right. Um, so it, it went on both sides. And there were some pretty good teams that we should have beat in regards to Virginia, who went to the Orange Bowl. That sure, was a winnable yeah. game. Boise State, we should have dominated them. And they were one of the best teams in the Mountain West. And then you got Wake Forest was a pretty solid team who we should have won. That we should have won. So going back to what Everett said, like – Florida State is Florida State. I mean, we still have some of the best talent in, in regards to, um, you know, the conference. We're not the 2013 FSU, but we're still better than most in the, a- in the ACC. So, yeah, for sure. You, you, you factor in um, detailed coaching, um, you, you, you'll you definitely get more wins with the, with the type of talent we have. And I feel like a lot of the fan base's um, fears of this season and stuff like that is due to, you know, the, the all the things you named in regards to what we lack. But if you look at the grand picture of it, Talent wise, we're right on part. We're right on part with the conference, and um, like I said, if we just get um, the coaching in some of the areas that you mentioned, we should be pretty fine. No, one thing I want to bring out too. Go ahead, Steve. Yeah, go ahead. One thing I I want to bring out too. um, You know, coming from the coaching end of things, coaches can only do so much in terms of discipline. You know, every coach is going to send somebody to go run laps. You know or to do stadiums late at night as, you know, Mark Rick and those guys used to do at Florida State back in the day. Every coach is going to do those things. And, you know, but what separates, you know, uh, a fire or what connects, a, you know, a fire breather type coach like a Jimbo Fisher or, or somebody who's a player's coach like a Pete Carroll? The thing that connects them is the players buy in to what those coaches are selling. So you can have a fire breather that's successful. You can have a fire breather that's not successful. And you can have a player's coach that's successful and a player's coach that's not successful. The thing that is going to, again, bind them together and, and make them similar is those players believing in those coaches, believing in the schemes and having love for those coaches and respect for those coaches to where if those coaches say something, they're going to do it. And that's, I think, the biggest difference between what we saw the last two years and really the last three years because the last couple of years with Jimbo – you can see there wasn't a whole lot of respect. There wasn't a whole lot of buy-in to what Jimbo was selling there at the end. Um, you know, whereas now you look at it and, you know, you see how Marv talks about it. You see how a lot of these players are talking about Coach Norvell. 
and it's still early, obviously, but they seem to buy in and they seem to have a lot of respect for these coaches. And that goes a long way in terms of discipline and the players doing what the coaches are asking and not just kind of disregarding them. You know, as we've talked about Jackson before, okay, tap, you know, tap on the shoulder. Hey, don't do that again. And he goes right back and do it. You know, even if Taggart doesn't do a whole lot, if Jackson believes in Taggart and has respect for him, he's going to do what he says, even if there's nothing hard following up, you know, hard kind of punishment following that up. So if they just buy into Norvell, which we've seen, they seem to be doing so far, if they just buy into Norvell and these coaching staffs, that discipline and that culture is going to be completely changed. Hey guys, I'm going to step out. I appreciate you having me. Yes, definitely. Uh, Definitely, Mark. I know you don't give your record predictions on here. You're gonna wait. Wait, you did you you didn't give it earlier. I, I don't think I want to give my record projection. <laughs> I just heard eleven and zero, and now I think I'm gonna be on the other end of the spectrum. <laughs> yeah. I've got a I've got a question for you, and you you you're gonna give kind of a record prediction here. So, some of the records that have been thrown around here are seven and four, eight and three seem to be pretty prevalent. But let's go opposite ends of the spectrum. Is Florida State? In your mind, closer to six and five this year, or closer to eight and three? Hmm. You don't have well, to give a prediction, I'm, but since I'm looking at six and five, I guess they're closer to six and five. <laughs> oh my! Oh, all right, man. It was nice having you. Yeah, see ya, audience. <laughs> That's good to get a little blood circulating in the. Uh, yeah, get it going here. here. Yeah. But honestly, though, with a, with an all conference schedule, man, that six and five and eight and three is isn't really so far off. Well, see, yeah, exactly. Like I threw out Florida at seven and three, and you can imagine after what they've done the last two years, Gator fans were going crazy. But I'm, but I'm saying, well, if you really look at it, all your Group of Five and FCS games that are giving me wins are gone. They're gone. The four non-conference mm-hmm. games that you usually play and win all those games, uh, and Florida State over the last couple of years for Florida has been uh, an easy win. Those are gone. So now it's they're just the SEC games. So seven and three is not me dogging your team. Uh, so with 10 conference games and with Notre Dame in the mix, uh, I just see it this way. Clemson's obviously Clemson. They're here. Now that Notre Dame's been inserted, until proven otherwise, you got to kind of consider them the second-best team in the league. And then you got this, man, the league's been unlike any other league. When you look at the Big Ten, you look at the SEC, all the other leagues, you see this this tier system. But after those – after Clemson – Florida State was, they were the Clemson before Clemson, of course. And then you had that transition year of 2014, 15, into 16. They, you guys battled them. They took it over. And when you guys dropped off, the rest of the league dropped off. Uh, you know, this league went 10-3 and three in the postseason in 2016, won the national championship. You guys won the Orange Bowl. I still thought the SEC mm-hmm. was the best league, but you guys played on the field that year like the best league. And now that Florida State dropped off, the rest of the league went with you, and the league went 5-19 and 19 against the other four conferences last year. So I just see it as this mishmash of like 7-5 and five kind of teams. So when I say Florida State's going to go 6-5, and five, I think that's that close to eight and three, and I'm taking them on the low end. Like I'm taking them to lose all the games that they could lose. So, so I think that six and five is on the low end. Like I don't see it dropping below that. But uh, I just think that the ACC, until proven otherwise, is just man, it's a glut. Even even the bat, even the bottom of the ACC, you 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 can't 
go to the ACC like you can go to the Big 12 and say, Kansas is at the bottom. Big 10, Rutgers is at the bottom. Vanderbilt's at the bottom. It, it alternates every year. Like Syracuse is something, but they won. Syracuse won 10 games two years ago, but sometimes they're at the bottom. Georgia Tech's been at the bottom, but, oh, they went to an Orange Bowl just a few years ago. Um, so even the worst teams in the S- in the ACC have rotated. Uh, NC State went 1-7 after going 9-4 and four the two previous years, went 1-7 and seven in the conference last year. So it's a really strange, uh, strange conference. Got to say that. Well, Mark, I definitely appreciate you coming on here as always. I'll see you on Tuesday night to uh, recap this Georgia Tech game, and hopefully we all pretty much are predicting Florida State to win that. So hopefully we're right or we're going to get trolled in the chat. So <laughs> I definitely appreciate you, Mark, as always. You need to get some rest. You've been going all day long, so get some rest. No doubt. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it, man. See you, Mark. Hey, fellas, I'm so glad to head out as well, man. All right, Dawkins. Hey, Thanks, I really appreciate you, you. Hey, no problem, man. Thanks for inviting me, man. Y'all have to take it easy. Yes, for sure. Take care. Yes, See you, man. See ya. See you, big dog. Jumping into recruiting real quick. And so I, mean, I really think everybody on here is probably a good one here. Maybe this is best for Nate first, and then we can kind of go around the horn. But um, I don't think – I, mean, I think he's right. You know, six and five is pretty close to eight and three in a normal year, right, if you get some of the, the easier wins. But I don't know that a recruit's going to rationalize that, right? Six and five still doesn't look very good. So my question is – so let's ignore seven and four, but let's say your most realistic records are six and five, seven and four, and eight and three, right? Maybe not in that order, but those are probably the most three realistic records that Florida State finishes with. Sitting at 25 right now in the recruiting rankings. If Florida State goes eight and three, what's their ceiling for this recruiting class? If they go six and five, what's their ceiling for this recruiting class? Uh, well, I think that if you start on the low end of the spectrum, they're going to stay with that right now. I, I, I think that what they have in terms of their commitments, I, I don't really see many of the many more jumping off the boat. I know you know they, they lost a couple of guys, and you know, there's some some question marks on on taking a bunch of three stars. But you know, one thing that Norval really likes is, is the evaluation piece. So he thinks that he has some pieces that fit what they want to do. Um, you know, if they go six and five, they're not going to land those. Um, Terry and Arnolds are not going to land those, those high-hanging fruits, so to speak. You know, they're going to finish at, at, at a mid-20s class, which I think would be very disappointing um, for, for Norvell and for Florida State because that's not how FSU um, is supposed to recruit. And, and, you know, one thing that you have to consider, too, when you talk to these kids is that the logo itself and the school itself and the the thought of FSU still holds a lot of weight with them. But every time they talk to them, it's like they want to see what they're going to do. And, and they're interested to see what Norvell can do because they paid attention when he did at Memphis. You know, he did a lot of great things when he was at that program, getting them to a Cotton Bowl last year. Um, and, and, you know, the way that he co- connects to, with, with these guys, with the way his staff is, is a little bit younger and the way that they are recruiting right now and how – aggressive they are um you know it would it would be a 25 22 23 class if they hit the eight and three mark i think yet you show the direction that you you kind of proving what you are trying to sell these guys and then you're you're able to land the the terry arnold's and the destin pazons and the chambray jackson's 
guys that FSU feels kind of good about right now, but they still have to prove themselves on the field. And, you know, these guys are not going to go to um, a sinking ship. And at some point, you know, Florida State does have to turn it around. Um, you know, my main feeling is that eight and three, you're looking at a top 15 class. Um, I don't think it really gets higher than that right now because of where they are sitting at, at, at 25, unless you guys like Luke Altmaier get a bump um, and, and stuff like that. So uh, I, I do think that, you know, they are turning in the right direction. There, there's a lot of, you know, behind scenes and thoughts of, of where they're at with some of these kids. But at the end of the day, they want to see FSU get back to being a Florida State, and mm. you know, they got to trust that. So Yeah. Yeah, I think I agree with Nate in regards to um the ranking system in regards to how we, where we could finish, but I guess it also depends on how you look at. Say for instance, we go six and five, and we look amazing. Like North Carolina looked last year. I mm-hmm. guess it really depends on how you look. If you look like you're competitive and you're ready to take that jump, kids can see that and they can buy into that. And you can see that with North Carolina now. North Carolina has some really great recruiters on their staff. Um, don't get me wrong, but. They see the potential in North Carolina. You got a freshman quarterback in Sam Howe, um, who was amazing. They see, they, they see what North Carolina could be. If you look at the past couple couple years of FSU, it's no really positive signs in regards to FSU football. The losses were bad. Um, a lot of the wins were wins that shouldn't have been close at all. So again, I feel like it's the, it's the product you put out on the field and how you look in those six and five because you can look at. You could look like two totally different teams with the same six and five record. Mm-hmm. Yeah, North Carolina went six and six last year, and they exactly. looked competent, and they have all this right. hype, and they had you know one more win than us. So, yeah, exactly. I feel you. <laughs> to, to CJ's point, you know, I put out something on a Twitter probably a month or so ago. It's like the last eleven games, like high profile games for Florida State, we've been blown out in, and that's what recruits are seeing. You know, say what they see. You know, if they see six and five, but, you know, six of those wins are two or three of those wins are on national TV and they see them. That's a huge difference from being blown out for 11 straight games on national TV. Uh, Conversely, you can go eight and three. But if all, you know, your only three national big time games are all blowouts and you've been blown out in those three losses. How much how much how how good are recruits going to look at you if you're okay yeah you beat eight scrub teams but you got blown out by Clemson uh Notre Dame and North Carolina you know so uh how how we look is going to be even more important than that schedule but you know six and five and eight and three like you said TJ there's a pretty big difference to recruits in that aspect you know go six and five and you know you look good or go eight and three and you look good Yeah.